be. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just we're recording, by the way. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Welcome to the Drunken Fan Podcast, your home for everything DFW sports. We are here to talk about the Cowboys shitting the bed again. And then the Rangers didn't really do anything. The Stars have done some stuff and the Mavericks have not done anything. And oh yeah, I think there's soccer or something. So I am one of your hosts, Mal. And I'm still Cameron. Still? Still, at least for now. You never know. I thought you were getting that changed. Uh, that's still up in the air, but who really knows? It's hard to really find, like anyone that ever tries to ask me if they need me to repeat my name or something, especially over the phone. It's like, what was your name? Cameron. Oh, okay. Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) And it get every time. So I always have to tell people, no, Cameron, like Diaz, like it's the only Cameron that I can use. Give me, (laughs) give me another famous Cameron other than from Ferris Bueller's day off. Kirk. No, see, nobody knows who Kirk Cameron is unless you were raised by some crazy religious family that made you watch the Left Behind movies. I knew him from Growing Pains. Oh, no, see, I did. I, I knew him from the Left Behind movies. Oh. I never watched Growing Pains growing up. That explains a lot of you. Yeah. His I best did. friend was a guy named Boner. Boner? Boner. B-O-N-E-R. On a family TV show. B-O-N-E-R, Boner. Star- yeah, starring Alan Thicke. Of course it was Alan. Alan Thick. Thick. Uh yeah, he his best friend was a guy named Boner and it was just it was hilarious because when I figured out what that word really meant, it was just so funny to hear Alan Thick be like, "Hey Boner." Why was his Alan nickname Boner? Or was I don't that know. his real name? They never said his real name. It was even Alan Thick called him Boner. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> Man, those are so, those really are some growing pains, man. Yeah. Like they Ugh. really, they really shit. <laughs> four hours, more like four seasons. Uh, yeah. So, so which one do you want to start off with again? All right, so we can talk about the Mavs. That'll be the quickest one. I wish, like, I really wish that we could bring more to the table here, but there's just there's just not a lot going on right now no. because no teams can make moves until after the right the yeah. finals are done, and it's game. Three just ended the other night. I mean, here's a little bit of a little bit of uh, DFW uh, sports news. Um, Jimmy Butler is from the DFW area. Actually, he's from Houston. Ah, uh, so it, but but still, like that's it's it's still nice to see, even though it is Houston, not technically Texas, but uh, it's nice to see. In all seriousness, it's nice to see someone that's from the state of Texas. Get some recognition, especially someone like Jimmy Butler, who has not gotten the praise and the recognition that he deserves. Right, yeah. And he's <clears throat> he's kind of like Anton Hudobin, where he's just gone from team to team, and he's done fine. He's been solid. Yeah, he's done fine, but nothing that's ever been, unless you ask Carolina fans about Anton Hudobin, then they'll have their own opinions about him. But everywhere he's gone, he's been a good locker room guy he's been a solid player not just a good one but a really good one and he just really flies under the radar of the he's not superstar level good but during game three of the finals he really came out and 
got a triple double and really took over. And he he if not for Jimmy Butler, this this series would have been a sweep. And he he put the team on his back uh, the other night. And if, if not for Jimmy Butler, the Heat wouldn't be there. No, yeah, I mean, well, okay, <clears throat> yes, yes. But like, if you just want to look at this finals right now, which actually the numbers have come out about the NBA finals this year, record lows. Yeah, record lows. Yeah. And I, it's so funny because hockey was up all throughout the playoffs. More people were watching hockey this year than they ever have, and I'm wondering what the difference between hockey and basketball is because you can't say that it's too political because hockey was just as political this year and they've been political for years whenever they started doing the whole hockey is for everyone thing and i don't mean to say that uh with disdain like i i approve of that i'm just saying it's not new that sports are being politicized so you can't tell me that the reason why people aren't watching the nba finals is because it's too political i think that because last year who wasn't in the finals LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. And I think people are sick and tired of watching LeBron James go get in the finals every year. And it's like if you want to try I don't think it's I don't think it's that it's just LeBron James. I think that it's that when he doesn't have like a super team with him, the next year he brings in all the top guys, makes a super team, and he's in the finals again. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't even make the playoffs last year. No. And uh, so I, I think that the reason why is that, like it has to be that, and that that's just another thing that separate. Uh, he's trying. LeBron James is trying so hard to make his career better than Michael Jordan, but everything that he has done in his career has been about following in Jordan's footsteps. Look at the number he wears. Yeah. The only reason why he didn't wear that number, and I'm surprised he didn't wear eight. Whenever he went to uh, whenever he went to Miami, because that was Jordan's Olympic number, was eight. Instead, he wore six. Uh, I guess someone on the Heat was already wearing it, or something, because it just seems like everything that he's done. Because he's about to make a Space Jam movie. Yeah, like, dude, for someone who's trying their hardest to distance themselves from Jordan, you're doing such a good job at following in his footsteps. Yeah, and I mean, let's just get real here. He's gonna win another championship this year. I just don't see the Heat competing. Jimmy Butler can't get a triple-double every single night. He just can't do it. Not against that team. And really, it has the reason why, more so than not, why I don't want the Lakers to win is because of Rajon Rondo. Dude, oh, Franklin the turtle-looking motherfucker, man. (laughs) He is on that team. And everybody's like, oh, playoff Rondo is is a real thing. I'm like, not in Dallas. No, it's not. Not in Dallas. That guy came to Dallas. He did not want to be here, and he pissed and moaned and bitched and griped and complained until he got his way, and he did not come down here to play. And so it's just that dude does not deserve to have as many championships as Dirk does. No. He does not deserve it. I, you can take the Dallas Mavericks bias out of it. And that guy, he can I'm pretty sure he's already got one, though, doesn't I he? I don't think he does. I think he had one with Boston. Was he on the Celtics whenever I'm they won? I'm pretty sure he was. Well, then he doesn't deserve... Well, regardless, whether he, doesn't he deserve has one, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve to have more than Dirk. Because that guy, you want to talk about someone that just piggybacks off of the success of everyone else because Rajon Rondo was whenever he came here from Boston, everyone was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be a good player because he was a part of that team. He wasn't, but he wasn't the team. He was just a part of it. He was just a small piece. And it's the same thing this year. And you saw last night, whenever he was playing game three, how frustrated, well, 
nobody saw last night. The only reason, because nobody's watching. But the only right. reason why I know is because it was on at work. And it's, uh, it's such a shame that the finals have come to this because no one, no one out there except for the city of Miami believes in the heat. Everyone knows that LeBron's going to win. And I think everyone's sick of it. And back in the day, whenever Jordan was constantly going to the finals, it was inspiring. Everyone was looking at that going, this dude earned every single championship that he gets. And I'm not saying that LeBron doesn't work hard. And I'm not trying to say that he doesn't, deserve the rings that he has gotten but if you look at lebron he is constantly and everyone wants to like say oh well what a what a what an unselfish player but dude every chance that he gets he's passing the ball to someone else to take a shot and you give whenever jordan was playing jordan was uh-uh get out of the way this is my shot i mean if not for ray allen if not for kyrie irving kyrie irving I mean, that's two championships that were hit in either a Game 7 or an elimination game for the Heat uh, in Game 6 against the Spurs that the rings would not be his. And right before Chris Bosh got that rebound and kicked it out to Ray Allen, LeBron James took a three-point shot and missed as time was winding down. So I, you can't tell me that it's because the NBA is too political. I think it's because people are tired of seeing LeBron in the championships over and over and over again and he and it's not that he does it on his own he's got to get people around him in order to make it happen and 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 that's what that's, he he went to LA to like to prove that yes. he could go somewhere as in the and, west in the west and compete and not just go somewhere go somewhere that yeah they had some solid pieces but they were all really young yes and go and develop their game and compete right away. And it didn't happen. And he sold the farm, got rid of everybody but a couple players, and brought in Anthony Davis and brought in Rajon Rondo and brought in Dwight brought back Dwight Howard. Not I'm not saying Dwight Howard is is as good as he used to be, but he's still he's solid now, you know? Yeah. It's it, it, it it's that's that's the frustrating thing. That and if the, if it is, I'm not going to say it's completely not because it's too too political. I think the problem that a lot of people have is, one, LeBron, how he's getting to the finals every year, and then and nobody will shut up about it. Everybody's like, oh, we've never seen this. He's been, his 10 finals in 11 seasons, it's crazy, it's insane, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, okay, but, I mean... How, how has he gotten there? People people disrespect it, which I, I'm i not going to go into whether or not you should respect it, whatever. People have that opinion. And then two, LeBron is has been very political. And I think that's the 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 element that's too political. Yeah, I just because it's hard in the NHL. You didn't have individual players coming out and making huge political statements. Oh, the same yes, way you, that you, oh yes, you, you did. Do LeBron, not probably not. But see, but there's no athlete on the face of the earth right now that is LeBron James. You, with the exception of Tom Brady, you could argue that LeBron James is probably the most recognizable sports figure on the planet right now of, of people Brady. of people who are currently playing and. I think that 
I, and, and the people that aren't playing that are probably above LeBron, it's a very small list. Maybe Jordan and maybe Floyd Mayweather. Connor, Mc, uh, Connor McGregor, right? Is mm-hmm. that the UFC fighter? Yeah, those might be the only three people that you can probably argue are that are above LeBron James in the world whenever it comes to athletes. So I think Tiger that... Woods. Not bigger than LeBron, I don't think. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- maybe. Maybe money wise, but I don't. I think that more people would I think, recognize. I think more people know who Tiger Woods is. But I mean, I we're, th- all, we're also yeah. ta- we're splitting hairs here because they're, they're, we're talking yeah, about regardless. two people who literally anybody with access to the internet for the past ten years they know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and so it's it's so hard. You can't as LeBron James. You you have to take. You can't just sit there with everything that's going on in the world right now, and just be silent. You have to use no, this no, platform. No, no, I'm so. not. I'm not. I'm not trying to criticize him for taking a stand. I think that that is the the political element that people are are pointing to. I don't think it's necessarily that the NBA as a whole is too political. I think most of those people who say the NBA as a whole has gotten too political are people who don't watch the NBA. You could you could argue that with their relationship with China. That's that's the big thing. That's been the before all the racial injustice stuff that has been happening right yeah. now around the country. The big thing was and the NBA as a whole and their relationship with China. I, the Houston yeah. Rockets owner tweeted something about it and then had to take it down and then apologize. Right. And so it's just it's no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but but that's what I'm saying is because it's LeBron and because yeah. of how he's gotten to the finals. And like you said, he's one of the most famous people in the world. And he's taken a very political stance. I think that's the out that a lot of people who weren't going to watch anyway. Yeah, and that's I'm not- the out when when really I think the the more solid reason is I'm just sick of seeing it. I yeah I don't I, I don't like, think that the. Po- the political what are you talking about well like, like how political i've just read i've read articles that are saying that it's because it's too political and i i think that there are reasons why or the political the, the nba getting too political is something that probably a good amount of people are using as an excuse to not watch it i'm not trying to dismiss those people at all i'm just saying the major the, the game the, 3 the majority of the actual reason is because of LeBron. I think so because because the NHL's viewership was at an all-time high this year and everyone's sitting there going don't don't crap your khakis over that just because what else are people doing? But right, right now there's nothing to watch except for the finals and football. Football. That's it. And people aren't even watching the NBA finals. Game 3 was the fewest viewers in NBA history. Of and a finals game? Of a finals game. And I, I think that it has everything to do with LeBron James. And I'm not trying to discredit the man. The dude is the best basketball player on the face of the earth. And I'm not trying to say that he's not. But I do think that people are tired of watching him. And that's, that's what, just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just another thing that just separates him from Jordan in a negative way. We need to stop the Michael Jordan comparisons. We need to stop it because if LeBron James does get his sixth ring, then everyone's going to be like, well, yo, you were saying that Jordan had more championships and now you don't have any, you don't have that excuse to use. Win you, percentage, man. You know, absolutely. The win percentage and it's Jordan's defensive game was better. You just cannot tell me. You cannot tell me right now that, that Michael Jordan is a, a less superior athlete 
than LeBron is now. You can't do it. Let's stop it. And let's just appreciate LeBron being LeBron. Let's enjoy the time that we have because it's not much. We won't have much more time with LeBron because there's a new era of people coming in to the NBA right now. There's a changing of the guard, and so it's just like what I was saying about the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's enjoy mm. it while we have it, because once it's gone, it's gone, and all we have are just the memories. And I know that that sounds super cliche, but let's stop trying it's to compare. Very high school graduation. I know it is. I know it is, but I mean, it's just still it's still the truth. And you can't. Uh, are you getting graduation goggles you, for LeBron? No, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm telling you, but I'm not going to be excited whenever he leaves the league. I know that some people will be. I'm not going to be because I'm just. I'm I'm, I'm going to look at it and go, well, that's just another superior athlete that's just gone now. Mm-hmm. And it's it really will be a shame whenever that happens. But uh, it, I, I, just, I just think that a lot of people are tired of seeing the same thing every single season. Yeah. And people are going to say, well, if you don't like it, then shut them up. It's kind of hard to shut them up whenever everyone is on his fucking team. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the big things. I think another thing that nobody's talking about is we've our generation specifically, when it comes to the NBA, we've gotten so spoiled that the that the greatest player in the nba currently is boring yeah it's boring yeah we went from michael to kobe to lebron and now at the end of lebron well towards the end of lebron's career we're tired we're bored yeah it's like dude okay cool you're the best ever yeah you know they said that Michael came in and changed the game and then immediately it was like, well, Kobe's the next Michael. And they said that for a long time. And then Kobe was like, I don't want to be the next Michael. Kobe has very much been vocal about like, if it was not for Jordan, there would be no Kobe. Right, exactly. And then you go from Kobe to now, oh, well, LeBron's the next Michael. And LeBron is, LeBron is very, he's, he, he LeBron loves LeBron. But I think that, I think, that aside, I think that by now we've had, what, 25 years? 25 years of having one single clear-cut best player oh, in the dude, NBA. way more NBA. than that, because you could go back to the 70s and you talk about Magic Johnson. Well, I'm talking about our generation specifically. Oh, ours. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, our generation specifically. 25 years straight of having one single best player in the NBA, and you can point to the passing of the torch moments, and by now we're just we're spoiled and we're bored. Yeah. Yeah. We're bored. yeah. That makes a lot of sense see, too. We don't want to see this guy being the best ever. We want to see competition. We want to see close games. Yep. Yep. I agree. And it's just, it's the NBA has to do something about these super teams. You have to come in and you have to stop it because I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, if I had that solution, then I would not be sitting here right now talking to you. I, mean, we, I, think I would a be salary, getting Adam Silver on the, on the phone. I think a salary cap would be a little bit better rather yeah. than a max contract. Yep, because, I know. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, I mean, they do. I think they do have a salary cap. No, still. they not, don't. Not in the NBA. Not to my knowledge. So, so, so you could give 10 guys max contracts. Yeah. Yep, I know. And so that like you Whatever. like Adam Silver has to step in and do something because this is like I, I think that the the public is saying enough is enough. And I don't want them to stop being political. How hypocritical of me is it to ask someone to do that, especially if they have a platform that they can use to spread their message, whatever it might be. Right. And yeah. no one is out there spreading messages of hate. 
I don't care no. what you think no. politically. You cannot sit there and say that, oh, all these athletes just want us to hate each other. and get No, they all want to spread positive messages here, and that's what they're trying to do. And shit, why wouldn't they? Right, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Because I would. And if, if whoever's listening to this it's, is disagreeing with me, I'd like to see you keep your mouth shut if yeah, you had a belief. That's a, this is a perfect, perfect opportunity for me to plug that we have an email now. And if you have a problem with what we're fucking saying, email us about it. Please do. Bitch. It's drunkenquestions at gmail.com. Do it. Please do. We welcome all kinds of feedback. We welcome all kinds of opinions. And I know that this this kind of got a little bit off of sports here, but it's still very relatable. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing I don't get is uh, like people saying, well, just stick to sports or stick to music or stick to whatever. It's like, dude, if if you had the opportunity that you knew millions of people were going to hear you, would you not feel responsible to say something that you thought might have a positive impact and make the world a better place. Okay. So then stop telling people who have that platform to stick to whatever and stay out of politics just because you don't have the platform to disagree with them. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't, if you don't believe that, just go look at most people's social media page. Like you're using your platform in order to push your agenda. So like, I just, I feel like that it's, (laughs) you should stick to hairdressing. Sure. Jessica. yeah, Yeah. Or stick to auto repair. James, like whatever, like it's, it's your, it's like as ridiculous as that sounds, it's the same thing. So anyway, let's, let's the only real news that I have on the home front that whenever it comes to the Mavs is that speaking of the passing of the guard, the, whenever the NBA restarted Jersey sales started to increase. Yeah. Who do you think was number one? Luca. No, it was LeBron. Oh, okay. But who was number two? Luca. Luca. Yes. So, and it's, it's what, (laughs) I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to improperly set you up there. Wah, wah. It's all right. So, but it's it's fine. Luca's gonna get there. He's going to be number one. So it's a good you little. Think so. Yeah, yeah. Of course. If he's already at number two and they didn't even make it out of the oh, first round. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I thought I thought you were saying that he's going to be the undisputed best player in the NBA. Oh no no no! I'm like, talking about uh, number. No no. I'm talking about being number one in jersey, jersey sales. Gotcha, yes, eventually. Gotcha. Obviously not this year. But I mean, he didn't even make it out of the first round. Shit, they didn't even win three games in the postseason, and his jersey's number two. So owners are seeing it. You and I are seeing it. The Dallas Fort Worth area is seeing it. Now the rest of the world is seeing it. It's just another thing that we're sitting here just talking about, just Luca. And I know it's just jersey sales. And what the, what does that mean? It means people are noticing. It means people are noticing and recognizing. Yeah. And I think that the owners understanding and the Dallas Fort Worth area understanding, like that, that's pretty obvious. That should be pretty commonplace. But I th- I think the rest of the world seeing that and buying his jerseys, I I, I think that that's huge. Because it's it's always been like Kobe, LeBron, uh, Dirk never even got that high, and it's it's just crazy to see how how good Luca is and how people are uh, people are, are treating the next best thing. So yeah, that's that's really all on the Mavericks front. There, uh, do you have anything else that you want to add about the NBA as a whole or the Mavericks? No, nope. Okay, so we'll move on to the Rangers then. Uh, what I mean, not a whole lot of news here. There really, I didn't. I didn't see any news. The only thing that I really saw was uh, I saw two things that I want to bring up. Is number one is that they're selling tickets now for the NLCS, bold, and the World Series. 
Boulder. They have a, um, which is, which that is a shame is that now, cause I know that we talked about the world series being played there and you were understandably not upset, but you were just disappointed, disappointed that yeah. the Rangers wouldn't be in it. But now we're going to have the first fans in attendance for a baseball game at globe life field won't be range and it games. won't be it a won't rangers, be a rangers game. game like it just the mlb had to do this because they need to find a way to generate some revenue especially mm-hmm. for the world series and the nl and the alcs games and i get it and i'm not like how dare they like this is sacred ground like it's not sacred ground no, yet not for no but it's and they have to sell it's just it's just another thing that's just like ah oh, man like what a bummer supposed to be my special day it really was and the rangers are i'm sure that the rangers are going to get some money from this too since the world series is going to be played in their house i'm sure that it's not all going to go to the mlb so there's a win there uh so there's that one and then the the rangers owner has come out and he's been very vocal about how disappointing this season was and how there's no words to describe how bad this season was. And they said that the easy move would be to let John Daniels go. Really? He, he, they, yeah, yeah. They said that letting John Daniels go would be the easy move. But since John but Daniels... didn't say it would be the right move. That, yeah, that's... Yeah, of course. That doesn't mean that the easy move is always the right move. And yeah, okay. they're, they're sticking with John Daniels because he's committing to the rebuild. The owner loves that the franchise is heading that way. And uh, there was one other thing. There was one other thing. Oh, uh, I didn't know this, but since we talked about Prince Fielder last week and his 32-mile-per-hour sprint, <laughs> 22 miles an hour, I know. But, tops. Yeah, tops, 22 miles an hour. But uh, uh, his he is now no longer under contract with the Rangers. The Rangers were still paying him. I know. This year, <clears throat> and I didn't realize that. And uh, af- now that this season is finished... That's no longer a thing. Ah, so only Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid to not play baseball. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the guy that the Mets are paying every <laughs> yes. year, right? Yeah. When when does that end? Oh. Like 2030 or something like that? I, th- uh, I think it might be 2025, but... It's... Here's hoping for the Mets and all that oh. debacle to just be gone. Oh. <laughs> so just think about it, Rangers fans. If you every time that you're upset with John Daniels, at least he's not making yeah. those kinds of moves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, we did pay a Rod over half of his salary Yikes. to play in New York. For that like was not John. That was years. not John Daniels, though, or was it? I'm pretty sure it was. Was it? I, okay, I think it was. Okay, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that was. <clears throat> I know the deal to send him to New York was. Yeah, but that was how how long did A-Rod play here? Like 2 or 3 years? 3? I mean, that's plenty of time for the owner to Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying like you want to talk about the GM that that sent him somewhere and then agreed to continue to pay the majority of his salary just to get him off the team. That was John Daniels. So, uh, maybe he's Maybe he's to blame for bringing him in in the first place. What year? What year was that that A Rod came to? I think it was two thousand. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Okay, that 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 wouldn't have been John Daniels. John Daniels took over in 05. Oh, so it was that would have been either Doug Melvin or John Hart. 
Either one of those two guys, depending on whenever A-Rod came here. Oh, well, then never mind. Just completely ignore anything I just said, because I'm pretty sure the A-Rod deal got both of those guys fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, see, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I couldn't believe that. I could not believe that John Daniels still had a job if he was the one that signed that deal. And that's that's why that didn't sound right. So, oh, Well, that, there you go. This whole time, this whole time I've been thinking, like, I still love John Daniels, but that's the one, like thing i can think of that was like oh boy that's really bad and they don't you don't even have that so if you don't like john daniels i just don't know what to tell you well what would your okay so what would uh what makes you such a john daniels fan like what's the what's the what are the what are the things that he has done so far that makes you choose Don, john daniels oh because i know that the whole civil war between rangers fans was john daniels nolan ryan so what makes you choose john daniels over anyone to, to hell with nolan ryan because he's not well, even a part of the team anymore but here's this is the thing nolan ryan is my favorite baseball player of all time period so when i'm saying that first of all i i know there was a little bit of a a, a feud whatever i don't think it was this big unholy civil war that everybody thinks it was first of all but second of all the reason why I would side with John Daniels because everybody wants to give Nolan Ryan the credit for those world series teams. Everybody just wants to give him the credit, even though the guys that we brought in were brought in by John Daniels. They weren't brought in by Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan didn't make any trades. He didn't negotiate any contracts. He didn't sign a single damn player. John Daniels did that. So you want to talk about the teams that that were that we watched in 2010 and 2011. Nolan Ryan doesn't get any credit for those because he didn't sign a single one of those players. Yeah, but if you want to look at it, Yuri Lettinen didn't sign Yoel Kiviranta. But if it was not for Yuri Lettinen, Jim Nill would have not have even thought to sign Yoel Kiviranta. Fair, fair, but it's still it was still John Daniels getting it done. He's you the one say, that has to make the could, final decision. Yeah, he's well, not just the final decision, but actually make it happen. Yeah. But see, but he, but you, and we'll never know. And yeah. I'm sure that all the people that love Nolan Ryan will have a million reasons why. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure John Daniels had assistance in making it happen. Of course, all all general managers do. But yeah. in the end, they're the ones that 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 um that end up t making making the jump, dictating taking the, the, taking the yeah, making Dictate, the decision to yes, make yeah. that happen. Yeah. So, so that's why. I like John Daniels. He he brings people in that we never thought we'd be able to get. Because you look at the look at the greats before John Daniels, the Rangers greats, other than Nolan Ryan, is the one that I can think of off the top of my head. You had uh well and and Alex Rodriguez, which haha. <laughs> which by the way, A Rod came here in 01, left in 03. Yeah, so he played three seasons. Yeah, so he played three seasons. So it wasn't John an Daniels. MVP. Yeah, it wouldn't even it it wouldn't even be John Daniels' right, decision because right. he came here in 05. Right. Right. But anyway. Uh <clears throat> yeah, anyway, I'm just it, it, I was just like, I was just you, filling that you, part. Right, right. But you, you look at the like Rusty Greer, uh Pudge Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Rafael Palmero. Juan well, Gonzalez is my boy. Rafael Palmero and Will Clark, they were brought in, but you got like these other Rangers legend Mark McLemore, like these are guys that that got brought up in the Rangers organization. I thought Mark McLemore was Seattle, and he came here. Did he go there after Seattle, or I did think, he go I to he Seattle to, after Texas? Yeah, I think he went to Seattle after Texas. Okay. I may he may have gone back to Seattle. I don't know. 
But for the most part, you're not getting guys, you're not getting the big name guys to come here until A-Rod, first of all. Yeah, but that was, yeah. A-Rod would have gone gone anywhere. Right, until John Daniels. A-Rod just went to the place that gave him the most most money. money. And that's all that was. He did not want to come here. If you're you're offered a quarter of a billion dollars, you don't say no. Yeah, right. John Daniels is the one who is has changed the the perception of the rangers to now i mean maybe not right now but five six years ago people wanted to play for the rangers people wanted to come to texas cole hamels wanted to come to texas you darvish wanted to come to texas i even pitchers knowing that it's a pit that it's a hitter's park that they were going to knowing that their personal numbers were going to be inflated. They wanted to come to this team and play. That's John Daniels. That's not Nolan Ryan. You don't think Nolan Ryan had something to do with the pitchers coming here? Oh, sure. But the people were wanting to come to Texas long before John, uh, long before Nolan Ryan started becoming formally involved with the team. When did Nolan Ryan get a part of the team? I would have to look that up, but I am pretty sure it was like 2008, 2009. Okay. I mean, Cliff Lee didn't come here until... It was that, they traded for Cliff Lee in 2010. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was really big, because he wasn't on the 2011 team. No. Yeah, so he he was real big in was getting only the, that's yeah. the, people people are like I forget that Cliff Lee was even a Ranger because he was only there for half a season. Yeah, yeah, and and he was lights out until the World Series, and then he disappeared. And then he decided he was going to go back to Philly, and he could disappear. He just disappeared completely. So, okay, I'm trying to find out an answer for the. Uh, thing on nolan ryan here oh yeah 2008 yeah so. 2008 so uh, you could still make like an, a nolan ryan enthusiast i don't know what's the word i'm looking for here but the the people who would back nolan ryan would sit there and say yeah john daniels came here in 2005 and he had three years and what did he do in those three years mm-hmm. and then whenever nolan ryan got here that's whenever things changed because it quickly went from 2008 to 2009 to 2010 and obviously we know know what happened and we mm-hmm. got those last little pieces there in order to make that championship team happen the thing that i would say is, is that it's not like 2008 boom that was the changing moment you can't sit there and look at it like that because you can't make that quick of a turnaround right you had to have right. people not without banging that. on trash cans yes unless you're <laughs> If you can't tell, Mal's very bitter about the Houston Astros, so we'll Fuck we'll 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 constantly be throwing little little jabs at them. So, but yeah, I, I I think that those are all valid points, and I think that. But you could also make the argument that as soon as Nolan Ryan left, now look where the team is. Nolan Ryan left, and now they're not. Yeah, and where did he go? Uh, the he went to a team that shot to the top, and everybody's like, "Oh, look, it's Nolan Ryan." Oh uh, no, actually, it was fucking cheating. So, so you think the Rangers were cheating then? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like you can't point to Houston's success and be like, oh, look, it was Nolan Ryan, not John Daniels the yeah. whole time because the only reason Houston... Ha- well, I'm not going to say the only reason, but one of the main reasons they even had the success that they had in 2017 was because of cheating. And if you look at it, they haven't won since. Yeah. They haven't won since. Yeah. 
So, so. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Nolan Ryan involved with the team still. I think he made the organization better, but I think the majority of the things that actually made the organization a championship contender were John Daniels moves. It's kind of like and my dad disagrees with me. It's kind of it's kind of like whenever you say that Tom Brady's overrated and people instantly go, how dare you say that Tom Brady's over? It's like, I'm not saying that he's not a great player. Yeah, he's I'm, just not I, the greatest of all time. Yeah, I'm, that that's like, I, I know I'm going to get, uh, JR is going to, gonna lose his mind whenever he hears this i don't give a shit jr you're gonna listen Derek jeter's not the greatest shortstop of all time he's not that's why i say Derek jeter was overrated would i put him in the top three of all time of course of course i would probably probably number two but as far as if you want to talk about defense ozzy smith was better like hands down ozzy smith was better you want to talk about offense a-Rod was a better offensive shortstop. Actually, he was better defense. So, yeah, I'd say probably third. So, yes, that's. I'm not saying he sucked, and I'm not saying that Nolan Ryan sucked as as uh, as somebody in the organization. Yeah, just because... I'm, I'm just saying that it's... Just because you would choose John Daniels over Nolan Ryan does not right. mean that you yeah. don't give... That, that, yeah. that means that you don't discredit Nolan Ryan and right. what he brought to this organization right, because, whenever he was here. Because, look, the the Rangers have fallen on hard times, and, and the Astros, have, are, they're cheating. That's how they were winning. They were not cheating. Anymore, though, I can't reiterate that Not enough. anymore, though. And, and they just And they just... And they just advanced past the first round. And they didn't just advance. They swept... Minnesota two games so calm I, down. well no I, oh is it I, it was, oh, it was, it was a three game three? series oh okay okay so well, calm just still now well you've got to win those games if they're really not that good then, I know yeah so I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the Astros are now World Series contenders here but still it's not like they I mean it technically is anybody in the playoffs is in contention until you get eliminated but uh, excuse me what I'm saying is when they were going to the World Series, it was because they were cheating, right? Now, if they do it this year, obviously it wasn't because they were cheating. It's because uh, Major League Baseball decided to expand the playoffs to 16 teams. Well, I mean, all you got to do is get in, and then right. we'll see what happens. But see, you can't get lucky but, but, consistently but, in the playoffs. Right, but anyway, anyway, this is this is beside my point. My point is... <laughs> You, you look at them, they split up, John Daniels and Nolan Ryan, they split up, and neither one of them has had been able to recreate the success that they had. And I think that they had a good dynamic, even though they butted heads. I think they got the best out of the organization together. And I don't think that either one of them has found their counterpart necessarily yet, but I still like John Daniels' odds to find that over Nolan Ryan's. Okay. Makes sense. Anything else? On to soccer. On to soccer. And I actually I didn't watch the game. No, but but I do I'd... I do want to say real quick. I do want to say that even though I knew the score, you still reached out and texted me and said, "Hey, did you see that FC Dallas tied Orlando City today?" I didn't watch the game, but I was just keeping Orla- up with. No, it wasn't Orlando City. Yeah, it's Orlando City. That's the no. name of the. That's the name of the team. Because uh, the, they did tie Orlando. I was talking about the game Saturday. 
Oh, the I'm so, I'm sorry. Was that the is that the one that you texted me? Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Ew. Okay, so that's my bad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, not Orlando City. So well, they they, they uh, technically club. Some, uh, Columbus? No, it wasn't Columbus. It was Jesus. FC Dallas, I'm letting you down here. Yeah, it was Columbus. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did tie Orlando City though, but but you did you reached out and you texted me and said Hey, did you see that they tied him? So, FC Dallas fans, we're getting him. We are getting him. I don't care if he tries to sit. It does not matter. You still sought out soccer, even if it just came into your Twitter feed, just because you like them, that means that you sought out soccer and you appreciated it enough to let me know. So, you can play all cool and all laissez-faire, and I don't care all you want. Laissez-faire? Laissez-faire. Is that the and most then, Texan French word you've ever heard? Well, it's it's like it's like whenever lawyers say wadia, like it's like it's it's wadir, like that's just the way that Texas lawyers oh. say it. Like that's a Texan word, wadir. But if you go anywhere else, it's 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 wadia or something like that. Like they don't say it correct anywhere else. Only in Texas do you say wadir. So laissez faire. Why? <laughs> Anaya, what does that say? Why? <laughs> the greatest vine of all time. I love it. <laughs> I wish that was around in the in the nineties whenever Patrick Wall was yes. playing. Could you imagine what Groover would do <laughs> oh, with that? Dude. It's Wow Patrick playing uh, Patrick goalie what's your... for the Colorado Avalanche. Patrick. Wow. <laughs> no, Patrick, what does that say? And she could be sitting there just scrolling it, it could say R O Y and she keeps going, Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. no this is patrick <laughs> no so i apologize it was not orlando city even though they did tie that game and we didn't get a chance to talk about that game either because that game was currently being played whenever we recorded so um they did tie orlando city nothing nothing which is kind of a shame because one of Orlando's players ended up getting a red card. And for those of you who are not aware of how soccer works, if you get a red card, you're playing with a player down the rest of the game. It's not like that player gets ejected and you can just substitute another player in there. No, you're down a player. So even with Orlando City being down someone... They still couldn't find a way to score, which is upsetting, but at least they didn't lose because soccer and hockey are very similar whenever it comes to a point system. If you win, you get three points. If you tie, you get one point. If you lose, you get nothing. And it, just like in hockey, except in hockey, two points if you win in regulation and two points if you win in overtime or a shootout. But if you lose in regulation, no points. And if you lose in overtime, you get one point. So similar, but different. But they did end up getting that tie against Orlando City, and then they ended up tying 2-2 to Columbus, which, like, quite all, like, in all honesty is, I view that as a good thing for FC Dallas, just because it's, it's not like they tied nothing-nothing or 1-1. It was 2-2. So the game went back and forth. And uh, it, it was it was an extremely entertaining game, and I, I'm I'm sorry that I missed it. And they have now dropped from the third place team to the sixth place team. And the way that soccer works is that there there's not a whole lot of games to be played, so every single chance to get points matters, especially whenever you can get as much as three points in a win. 
So going forward next week, they've got Houston, the Houston Dynamo that they're playing on Wednesday, and then they're playing Minnesota FC on Sunday. And that Minnesota game is huge. The Houston game is huge because you're still trying to like that's that rivalry that the MLS have between uh, cities in the same conference, and they're playing for a trophy. And I in between the only difference between FC Dallas and Houston Dynamo and all the other rivalries is that they play for a cannon, which is cool, and no one else has that. So they're obviously playing big for that moment. But Houston Dynamo has dropped far from grace, and they're now number tenth. So hopefully they don't overlook that team preparing for Minnesota after that on Sunday. But these are these are six huge points that FC Dallas has to get. So this week is massive for FC Dallas. I'm very much looking forward to that. We've seen what they can do against both of those teams. And I, I, I think that easily this team can get six points come next time we record next Monday. So be sure you're watching. Be sure you're listening. Be sure you're cheering. Go give FC Dallas a like or a follow and uh, prepare to be entertained. You going to watch any of the games this week? Depends on when they are and uh, no. Wait. <laughs> He's trying to act so cool, but I'm telling you, as soon as he texted me and said, hey, did you see that they tied? I'm like, uh-oh. Here, uh-oh, uh-oh. He, here we go. We're going to have ourselves a, we're gonna have ourselves a soccer fan here in a little bit. Bounce, 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 bounce. <laughs> All right, so that's the, end of the, uh, that's the end of the soccer minute. I appreciate, I appreciate you allowing me to get that in there. And I ho- Hopefully, FC Dallas, I hope you feel like that you're being properly covered because no one else is going to do it. But please feel free to email me on the drunkenquestions at gmail.com and let me know what I need to what I need to be covering, if there's some things that I'm missing here, because I, I'm not an avid soccer fan up until now, and it wasn't until, I would probably say last year is whenever I really started to get into it. And now that we're uh, now that we're really covering it, I need all the help that I can get. So any FC Dallas fans that are listening, if you want to give me some feedback, if you want to tell me how great I'm doing, I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna read all of them and I'll take everything that you have to give me in stride. So let's let's go ahead and get this going and get get the word around because FC Dallas is starting to make some noise and uh, top ten in the power rankings in the last three weeks. Like everyone's starting to kind of notice. So hopefully we can get more people on that bandwagon. You guys can notice too. I'm just not ready for another Dallas team to break my heart yet. I know. I know, man. And so hopefully, hopefully FC Dallas, FC Dallas is going to be that team that's going to, that's going to join the Mavericks and be that, be, be an MLS soccer uh, cup champion. So moving on, moving on. Uh, Here we go. We can go. We can talk about the Dallas stars and this, if y'all have not checked out our bonus round, that we did on Wednesday. We, uh, it, we re- it released on Thursday. It released on Thursday. Yeah. If you have not checked out that episode, please go back and do it. It's yeah, go not, back and listen to it. It's it's uh, it's more of a recap of the season and and kind of just reliving the the highs and lows of this ridiculous, crazy, exciting, heartbreaking season that the uh, that the stars had. So if you if you caught any of it. Uh, I would go back and listen to that because it's going to be uh, fun 
Yeah, that's 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 just kind of like if you're looking for like a recap of the season or anything like that, that's going to be in that episode. We're trying not to have our episodes be two and a half hours long. Yeah. So here's what we'll do now is we're going to treat now we're going to treat the stars just like all the other teams and any kind of news and updates that may have happened between last week and this week. And by last week, I mean, we're, we're going to be going from whenever we recorded the drunken fan podcast last Sunday and released it Monday. So we're not including the Wednesday one. So everything that has happened between now and then, obviously the stars lost game six to nothing in the Stanley cup finals. And I still think that there's a lot to look forward to with this oh, team. Yeah, yeah. And you have no reason not to be optimistic whenever it comes to where this team is heading. And I've actually got a few other things that I, I've, I've kind of sat back and I've kind of thought about it because one thing we didn't cover is the draft that starts tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't and know about that. free agency starts on the ninth, which in reality with today's aid, like yeah, it's basically already started. You're, well, you're going to, you're going to know. Yeah. On the eighth. That's whenever all the news will start coming out because, and that's such a shame because it was so much fun waking up the day free agency started because everyone's talking to, and you know Minnesota's talking to someone because they are having a motherfucking fire sale. They just traded Dubnik today. Uh, they traded uh, Eric Stahl, so they're making room for someone, and I think it's either going to be Markstrom or Holpe. But they, anyway, this is not a wild podcast. It's just a. Uh, just some things that I just kind of seen from around the league. But if you really want to start talking about, okay, first things first, the stars re-sign Andre Sekera for someone who's going to be for it. Okay. So it's a two year deal worth 3 million, one and a half average value per season. Is that a lot of money for someone who's going to be playing on your third defensive pairing? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You you probably want to see that kind of closer to the million, million, million two, not million and a half per season. But Sekra has earned every single bit of that of, of that money that he is going to be paid. And you can't tell me otherwise. And a lot of complaints that were out there were, oh, well, I guess Stephen Johns, fuck Stephen Johns. What are you talking about? Fuck Stephen Johns. What has he done over the last two seasons? Like, he has missed so much. And I, I, I said that I was going to have the numbers. I don't. But he played, he he was such a feel-good story this year. That first game that he had down in the AHL, uh, whenever he was trying to get his feet underneath him, he comes out and has, he has like a five, six-point night. And that's just something that you just don't see. And it's yeah. such a feel-good story. And he talked about like how he was, contemplating suicide because the headaches that he was feeling were so bad and you've got to feel for the guy. Yeah. But at the same time, what has he done for the stars organization? He has played maybe 25 games over the last two seasons. And that doesn't include not playing or that that does include, I guess him not playing a single second last year. So if you want to sit there and say that Steven Johns is not going to get a chance, you are, you are absolutely insane. And let me let me go ahead and just kind of walk you through this. Just because I know a lot of a lot of Stars fans are probably first kind of experiencing this and you're trying to figure out what's what and how everything. If you need information on the Stars, do not go to ESPN. Do not go to NBC. They're not going to talk about it. Do not, and I cannot stress this enough, do not go to Mike Heike. That dude does not know what the hell he's talking about. I don't care that he has covered the Stars since 1993 and they came down here. 
The dude is the dude is a hockey moron. And I would love to get him on this podcast and interview him. And I don't even like obviously I'm not going to call him a hockey moron, but I will question him and some of the things that he says. If you want to go to like real legit insiders, Sean Shapiro, that dude knows so much, not just about hockey, but Dallas Stars hockey. If you have not read his book, A Hundred Things That Dallas Stars Fans Need to Know or Do Before They Die, written by Sean Shapiro and helped, and, and it was ghost-writted. I, get, I don't think you can call it, you can't say it's ghost-written, but Mike Madonna helped write it. Uh-oh. So Sean Shapiro knows the co-authored. thing. He, he co-authored. Thank you very much. He co-authored the book. So if you need information, go to Sean Shapiro. Listen to what that man has to say. And his 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 hockey IQ and his hockey opinions on the Dallas Stars are worth an, a subscription to The Athletic alone. So there's that. But here's the thing with Steven Johns. He has one more year on his deal. And he didn't play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He was Whatever it was, you've got to assume it was his post-traumatic headaches. So... Yeah. Steven Johns did not play at all in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He played the tail end of the season this year, didn't play at all last year, and he's got one more year. So you allow him to play that year. If he takes this offseason, recovers, and plays and does well, then there's going to be room for him on this team. Whenever they traded Trevor Daly and Ryan Garbutt for Patrick Sharp and Steven Johns, it's not like you gave up the farm for that man. So even if it doesn't work out, it's not like you lost these big pieces. You lost Trevor Daly, who was great for the Stars, but was declining towards the end there. And then Ryan Garbutt, who was at best a third line, a third line guy. Like you, like there's no way that you're that you have big plans for Ryan Garbutt going forward. So even if it doesn't work, it's not like you gave up the farm. It's just Jim Nil doing Jim Nil things. And so that's the other big piece of information I got to tell you guys is that you have to trust Jim Nil. Yes. That dude was able to take Kari Lettinen and Antti Niemi to a 50-win season, the number one seed in the Western Conference, and a trip to the second round and, uh, and got all the way to a game seven with Kari Lettinen and Antti Niemi as the goalie tandem. Like, he knew how to bring pieces together and make it happen. So I know that you said that you felt like that Andre Sekera was that first big move. Yeah, bef- uh, yeah The, the yeah. first move, so, the first piece to fall Sean, for the big piece. Yeah, Sean Shapiro actually is the the tweet that I saw that said, <clears throat> you know, that, uh, that they uh, re-signed Andre Sekera and people were responding, you know, oh, what about Steven Johns, whatever. But I actually responded, uh, like you said, this this really feels like the move before the big move. And uh, Sean Shapiro tweeted earlier today that the uh, star salary cap, which was supposed to be $81.5 million, is going to be $78.5 million. I don't know if you struggle with math like I do. That's $3 million that they're not going to be able to spend next year. That's a pretty big chunk of change right there. So, I... <clears throat> all that to say, like, if anybody's going to be able to make a big move with $3 million fewer dollars than they thought they would have, it's Jim Nil. Like, I know I just spent the last 15 minutes talking about how much I loved uh, John Daniels. Not the last 15 minutes, but about 15 minutes ago, I went on this John Daniels love fest. Jim Nil is hands down, hands down, 
the better GM. Hands down. No discussion. No question. He just is. So, and, and I, 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 first of all, I didn't mean to just like steamroll you there and just take over the last 10 minutes of the conversation. No, you're good. It's just, it's just stuff that I needed to say. And if you need more proof of why you need to trust Jim Nill, look at because where he was before was Detroit. And he took Detroit, Detroit to 25 years of consecutive playoff appearances with several Stanley Cups sprinkled in throughout there. The man knows what he's doing. And everyone, you just, there there will be times whenever, because I'll never forget that after he brought in Patrick Sharp, you saw that and you were like, great. And then shortly after, he traded for Johnny Oduya. And you're like, Johnny Oduya? Like, I know that him and Patrick Sharp were on that team together with the, but what are you doing, man? 2015, 2016 stars were the team in the West that was revered and no one was going to beat that team. And it was, it was just insane that he was able to do that with a bunch of old players and a bunch of who knows kind of players. Of mm-hmm. course you had Ben and Sagan and then you had Patrick Sharp. What other all-stars were on that team? Patrick Eves, Cody Eakin, Corey Lettinen, like get out of town. Like that team should not have been as good as it was, but Jim Nill found all the right pieces and put them together and made them that good. So it's just, it's crazy to see that people are already getting out and just saying like, oh, well, you're making the wrong decision here. No, you're not. I said on the podcast on Wednesday that you have to re-sign Sekra. And it's perfect because if Steven Johns does not end up playing next year, he's not going to play at all. That's going to be three consecutive seasons of him not producing. And that means that his physical health is... Not where it needs to be. And and he it's you have to keep that in mind now, especially if you're an organization. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be getting a lawsuit in 20 years saying that, well, they forced me to go whenever I wasn't ready. Right. So now this is pretty much telling Stephen Johns, hey, man, take this offseason to recover. But at the same time, if yeah. you can't get going, then we got to move on without you. Will we miss Stephen Johns? Of course we will. Yeah. The dude is big. He is powerful. He can score. And he's a lockdown defenseman. So it's just, I, it, it is it is a buzzword, and that's what everyone was throwing around the other day. And I know that, and I, I, I don't mean to come out and say, oh, well, all you bandwagon Stars fans who've never whatever, I'm not going to do that. Because we would love to have you please come yeah. and please enjoy this offseason, which is going to be so much fun to watch. But you also have to understand that you have to kind of take a step back. Don't, don't, don't sit there and say, well, I've been watching... And I think that this is a bad idea. It's okay to have those opinions, but don't sit there and think that Jim Nill isn't already thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. The dude, the dude knows what he's doing, and I love the Sekera signing. Is it a little much? Yes, but those are going to be those contracts that they're going to sign this year. Like, mm-hmm. Rupe Hintz is going to get a contract where you're going to go, yikes. But they have to pay him. You have to. You have to pay all you these guys. To. Corey Perry's going to get a contract where you're going to go, Yikes, but you have to pay him. You have to, and there's going to be big numbers that are going to be thrown around. I would actually say that I am less convinced now that the Stars keep Corey Perry because of the $3 million drop in the I know, uh, and see, that's I know, I know, and that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking that right there is Corey Perry. Yeah, and I I think that there's too many people out there that that I think that should be signed. Yeah. And I think that one of those players that, and I know that I'm really big. I was really, really big on Petrangelo 
And I think that everyone's real big on Petrangelo. And I think that if that happens, like, of course, you're going to bring it because he is another big boy, 6'4. The dude just, the dude is just a presence on the ice. But if you really want to kind of get into the like the nitty gritty, I think a better option, especially a better option for the stars, would be uh, Tory Krug. And of course, you're going to say, well, of course, you're going to say Tory Krug. He's the second best defenseman that's available in the NHL right now. Whenever it comes to free agency, coming uh-huh. out of Boston, he's kind of an itty bitty fella. You know, he's he's five foot, he's <laughs> five foot seven, I believe, is what it is, and he's a defenseman. Right before the stop of this this season because of COVID, he was on pace to have 50 points again this year, four years running. So the the guy can score. And let's also not forget that the Dallas Stars were the second best defensive team this year in the NHL. Boston was number one. So it's it, it's not like Boston rode Zdeno Chara all year long, the 43-year-old player who is their captain and is this big, tough motherfucker that you don't want to fuck with? Tori Krug. Dude, Tori Krug was able to do the same thing. And I wouldn't say he flew under the radar, but I think that a lot of people are going to go after Petrangelo. And I think that Tori Krug would fit into this system a little better. Yeah. But of course, he's going to be looking for Petrangelo money. Right. He's not, it's not, he's, it's not like, well, you're not as good as Petrangelo, so don't try and ask for that money. No, he has earned all that money because Boston was talking about making Tory Krug their captain. Yeah. Before like after after Chara leaves, Tory Krug is next in line to get that. So that guy's he's earned a big payday. And so you're going to have to pay him Petrangelo money. But I think that if you weigh those two options and now that I've kind of had a week to kind of look over everything, I would I would say Tory Krug would probably be that that big name uh, that big name free agent that if you're going to sign him, I think he would fit in absolutely perfectly with this team put him on a fucking line with uh with jamie oleksiak it's gonna be great but i just don't know if he's gonna want to come in here and be a sixth defensive pairing but rick bonus is very good at getting everyone involved Mm -hmm. so you could obviously make that argument towards him if he wants to if you want to try and make a pitch towards him uh because i just don't know if him and haskinen would mesh very well and obviously klingberg and lindell are together yeah. So it'll it'll all just depend. Like, does does Haskinen need that big body, or can he work with someone like Tory Krug? And I think that Tory Krug is good enough. He's twenty nine, yeah. so he's not he's not young, but he's not old. So he's going to be looking for a seven eight year deal, probably worth about eight million dollars a year. And so it's it's just it's just all going to depend on where the salary cap is for the league. And but I I think that Tory Krug is that guy that. Uh, I think Tory Krug is that big guy that you're going to kind of look to maybe sign before Petrangelo, not before Petrangelo. If Petrangelo wants to come here, you sign him. But I think right. that he is a better fit for this team. I think I think that Jim Neal looks at Tory Krug before he would look at Petrangelo. If 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 Petrangelo wasn't calling him and saying I want to come here. Right. Uh <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. One thing that I that I was thinking about as you were talking is it's not like it's just the salary cap for the stars going down. It's the salary cap for everybody in the league is going to be yes, going down. Yes. So, you know, who's to say that these guys that would have been signing for huge contracts don't look at it and go, man, I got to take what I can get. If I want to play next year, I have to sign for something and it's going to be less than what I want. And I think Jim Nill is the type of, of GM that, 
who could look at it and and know, okay, this player wants this type of a deal. So what we can do is we can backload it, or we could even, you know, say that it's a say it's a five year deal or whatever. But at the three year mark, or whenever COVID is no longer a thing and the salary cap is not as huge of a pressing concern, then they can restructure. Because I think if you put in bonuses and stuff like that, well, okay, maybe you're not getting the revenue because maybe COVID's still not a thing, but then their player earns the bonuses. Well, you still have to pay him, you know? And yeah. I think that's the issue with bonuses. But I think I think Jim Nill's the type of person or the type of GM who could look at the situation and go, okay, I can make this work and I can make it work in everybody's favor. I can make it work to where the player feels like I'm going to a winning franchise or a franchise that, that has proven that they can win, that they were literally not even pieces away. They were health away from winning the Stanley Cup. Right. Uh, and maybe I'm taking a little bit less money, but this GM is known for magic. And when, ti- when the time comes for the, the purse strings to be loosened back up, I'm first in line in an organization that I think in the meantime can win a Stanley Cup. Well, and see, that's the way it works, though. If you're a winning team, then you're going to take less money to play for that team because right. you're coming here to win. Right, and, but right. I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah, with, yeah. with COVID yes, and all the yes, other concerns, yes. I feel like Jim Nill is the is the GM that is going to be able to soothe the questions or answer the questions and soothe the concerns of the player better than other GMs might. Yeah, I, and and you've got to, you've you've really got to. I think that the players know that, and I think that the general managers especially know that, and I think that that's going to be a communication that's going to come with players, and I think you're going to see... No, I don't think you will. I was I was about to say that I think you're going to see a lot of shorter contracts signed this year just because of the uncertainty. I don't think so. I think that players oh, yeah. are going to treat this as just like a regular offseason, and so you want to talk about someone that I believe... You want to, you want to replace Yanmark? I think I know the person that's going to do it, and the this guy... His average salary cap hit everywhere he's gone, $800,000. And I think it's Tyler Ennis. Tyler Ennis played for Buffalo forever, but he played for Edmonton last year. And, the, and everyone knows Edmonton is Dreisaitl McDavid. Mm. Like, that's just, that's that's that team. But the guy that's going to fly under the radar who is a UFA this year is Tyler Ennis. Here was his numbers. He played 70 games this year. So doesn't battle injuries, 16 goals, 21 assists. So that's like, if you want to like, yeah, well, that's 37 points. 30, is still solid. Yeah. That's, that's, that's solid for that, a guy what, who, what were you in Mark's numbers? Oh man. Way less than that. Uh, but the thing is, is that Yanmark is more money too. So if you want to mm-hmm. talk about someone that's going to come here, would be grateful for a one year deal that would probably take about eight fifty for one year. And he's going to be a third-line player where Yanmark's going to be probably be looking for a multi-year deal. And I, I was so I've been critical of Yanmark all season long. And I think that if you if you ask anyone who knows anything about hockey, knows way more than I know about hockey, they're all they they all say the same thing. Yanmark is a smart player. He gets in the right position at the right time. Yeah, and he just can't finish. He cannot do it. He can't. But that's not- but that's part of what makes him such uh 
such a valuable player is that his skill set for a forward makes him a very good defender as a forward. Yes. So he's 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 good on defense. It's just where where you want him to earn his money. It's like you said, he's he's there. He's got the puck on his stick and he just ah. Well, but oh. see, but Tyler Ennis is one of those guys that can do the exact same thing, but he puts it in the fucking back of the net. Yeah. So here was here was Yanmark's numbers this year. He played 62 games. Okay. Six goals, 15 assists. So I mean, it's it's not a huge difference, but you look at those you look at I those mean, points, those seven, yeah. those, those six points that were left off the board. How many wins and losses does that make? Like like how many times throughout the season would that have made the difference between even if they go to overtime and lose? That's another point that the stars could have that that the stars left on the board that they didn't get, and maybe Tyler Ennis can bring in and make that change because I'm telling you, it's Yanmark is going to want that kind of he's going to want that kind of money that's. And maybe he won't. I don't know, but I still, I, I think with Yanmark, the exp- he is homegrown Dallas Stars. Yeah, came up through the AHL, started his rookie season was the fifteen sixteen season. That first night against Pittsburgh, that night he scored a goal. Yeah, so it was he came into the league with a lot of optimism, and you look at a player like that going like fuck, like this this is this might be the next player of the future for this team. And I think that a lot of teams are able to scout him and can keep him off the board. And I think that Yanmark keeps himself off the board a whole lot because yeah. he, that one goal that he scored in the playoffs, he was in the right place, and Klingberg was just able to just throw it off his stick and just and he he yeah. just had a stick on the ice and it just went into the net. Yeah. So and it was funny because whenever it happened, you and I looked at each other and went Yanmark like we like yeah. it was like it was like oh my god he and finally then, got a goal and then, and then they showed the replay and he literally didn't even move his stick. It nope, was it was it was bounced. all Klingberg yeah. man. And so I love <laughs> Matias Yanmark. He 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 works hard. You don't ever hear anything bad about him. No, yeah, that's that's the thing. If I feel like we're, sh- it feels like we're shitting on him, but you look at the stars right now and it's like there's there's not really a weak link really no there, not really there no. are areas that do need to be upgraded and yanmark yanmark is just one of them yeah yeah yanmark is one of them if yanmark could produce like he does like like he he like he could and like he should be producing like he would be top he would be top six material easily like you couldn't keep him off of the top two lines yeah it, it's just he just can't produce and he's just constantly just not quite there that's just the way that that's just the way that Yanmark works is he he gets himself in the place where he needs to be and then whenever they he gets the puck on his stick he f- tightens up or chokes or i don't know what the word is but he just he just cannot produce the way that he probably should be and I think that Tyler Ennis is going to be one of those guys that he is he is an Iron Man in the league. He played in Buffalo forever. That alone deserves some sort of reward. But uh, Buffalo right now is just, they are a team that's on the rise. But Buffalo has been one of those teams that's been on the rise for the last decade. Yeah. And you're just waiting for the, you're just waiting on it to, you're just either waiting on them to go through the ceiling or you're waiting for the other shoe to fall. And it's just poor Jack Eichel. Uh, but I think that Tyler Ennis is one of those guys that has proven that he can stay loyal to a team, and I think that he would jump at the opportunity to come to play in Dallas, be a third line guy, easily. I know that he's a centerman and Yanmark is a is a winger, but you can you can easily train him to 
be on the wing or you could have you could put him on a line with Dickinson and have Dickinson just be on the wing because J- Dickinson is a natural center but he can play left or right. Yeah. And I, if 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 Tyler Ennis comes in here and he can produce and he can really like uh, he wouldn't be on the third line because that's the FCC line. But you put him on that fourth line with if if they can re-sign Perry and uh and Dickinson, like Dickinson, Perry and Ennis on that fourth line, that would be absolutely spectacular. Like what a, that would be that would be I would think I would think that would be a third or a second line on most teams. And I wouldn't maybe not most teams, but any kind of mediocre team like you look at that and you take that you really would and that would be an awesome line and you're more surprised to see Corey Perry on the fourth line in general but the fourth line for the stars right now and especially with Rick Bonus that does not mean that you're being no. demoted no you might even start the game yeah of course that's all Vegas did all season long was start their fourth line so you don't get the kind of minutes that the top two lines do but that that line with Dickinson and Perry fuck and then tyler innes who can put it in the back of the net jesus christ what a fourth line that would be so i would i would take that let yamark walk and then i would say that the last piece would be to sign uh uh, tory krug and that would i think that that would be enough to make it happen and i think you're right i think that 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 sekera signing if steven johns isn't going to play that leaves open another defender spot of course, you can get Joel Hanley up there. You can get Galvin Bayreuther up there. You can get uh, uh, Galvin Bayreuther, Joel Hanley, and... Um, Esperance? No, Esperance is a forward. God, I, I, I had his name before I was going to sit down. Uh, Dilling Hetherington. He's the other one. Like Those are your three guys that are eventually going to be the elite defensive players for this team. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that allows them room to play, but it also allows room for the Stars if they're going to let Polak walk, which I think that they should. Uh, I, that allows room for the Stars to bring in another top-tier defender, Petrangelo, Tori Krug, something like that. But even if they don't, this team is still in a good spot, mm-hmm. I think. But I think that if you can bring in Tori Krug and then Tyler Ennis, let Yamark walk, let Polak walk, I think this team's in a good position. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can say otherwise. So, anything else to add before I go on to, and and I'll make this part quick. Whenever I'm talking about the draft, but uh, do you have anything else to add on the season? On the season, no. But I was gonna, uh, if you're bringing up the draft, I, I, I like your idea that you texted me about the other day about uh, what to do with Bishop. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Then yeah, let's not go to the draft yet. Let's talk about that. Yeah. First things first. I'm the realist. I think all of the uh, I think all of the goalies that are on the market, Jacob Markstrom, Braden Holtby, uh-huh. Anton Hudobin, uh-huh. uh, Henrik Lundqvist, there are two people on the face of this earth that they hate the most. One is Sergei Bobrovsky, who signed a ten and he signed a average annual value of 10 million dollars per year for his massive contract that he signed in florida it's like eight years 80 million and he came out this season shit the bed so now so many people can look at that and say we're not going to pay you that much look at what Bobrovsky did why would we pay you that much like we pay Bobrovsky if they if florida paid Bobrovsky that much and he is doing so terribly we're not going to take that risk on you either and then the other person that they're going to hate so much is robin leonard Good on Robin Leonard for 
being loyal to the team that truly gave him his chance. Of course, Chicago gave oh, and, him his first shot. Yeah, and and you know everybody's complaining and saying, well, oh, we'll just fuck Flurry then. But but see, but he only signed a five year. It was a five year, twenty five million dollars. So five million dollars per year. Mm-hmm. So, and he signed it quick. So all of these goalies that were probably playing chicken with each other, it's like, who's going to sign first? Robin Leonard is such a good dude. Like that, like as a human being, Robin Leonard's like, no, y'all stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. Let's make this fucking happen. Yeah. What do y'all need? I'm sure it was like $5 million per year. Just fine. Fine. Like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be playing. And Robin Leonard's only 29. I didn't realize that. I thought he was older. So he'll still have room to play whenever this contract expires. So that's so smart on him. But all these other goalies that were probably hoping for like seven and a half, eight million dollars a year. Robin Leonard didn't even get that much. So why would we give you that much? And why would we give you a lot of money because of Bobrovsky? So all these goalies are like, fuck you, Robin Leonard, man. So here's what I think happens with Dallas. And I think that this is the only way that you can really truly air quotes, get rid of Ben Bishop. What's happening Next off season, the Olympics. No, over <laughs> <0 for> two. <laughs> you even said you liked my idea. The expansion draft is happening know, next I'm off season. And for those for those of you who are unaware of what the expansion draft is in the NHL, it's obviously whenever a new team comes in, you're not just gonna give them a bunch of shitty players and say good luck. Yeah, you can take one player. From every team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's if they're gonna do it the same way that they did with Vegas. I mean, I think they should, because literally that year Vegas went to the cup finals. And, yeah. and see a lot of a lot of hockey purists and a lot of well, a lot of that. a lot of fans are gonna sit there and go, that's not fair because we're the ones that have to endure the struggles. And it's, it's a rite of passage for a hockey fan for your team to fucking struggle, especially out of the gate. But you know who didn't? The Dallas Stars, whenever they came down here. They, yeah. they, had, some, they had a few, learn, but they made the playoffs the first year here, so I'm sure that they fucking hate us too. But, uh, but it is more entertaining for the game if an expansion team can do really well. So Yeah, and it, 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 it opens up an entire new market, and it's, not, it's, yeah. it's very low risk. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like... Uh, like because of what Vegas did you're you're saying to Seattle like hey you can get fully on board with this team and you don't have to worry about wading through 10 years of bullshit to have a decent team yes you can have a good team now because that's that's what happened with all the other expansion teams like Nashville was so bad for so long. Atlanta was so bad that they went to Winnipeg. Tampa was so bad to start off whenever they got going, but it's just, it's, it's insane to think about how good Vegas has been and how good they're going to be. I think that if you want to make like way too early predictions, I think the Stanley cup final next year is probably Vegas and Tampa. I, like it's just that that's probably the Stanley Cup final that everyone wanted to see this year. I, I just don't see. Well, okay, it's okay. Fuck. Yep. You know what? I'm gonna stick with Vegas and Tampa just because it was the first thing that came out of my mouth. But 
Boston will be in there. Colorado will be in there. Dallas will be in there. So it's it's going to be crazy. But just right off the top of my head, I, Vegas is that good. And so whenever uh, uh, whenever it comes to Seattle, uh-huh. what I think should happen is, is you can protect as an organization. You can protect. It's like seven forwards, seven defensemen, and one goalie. So if you can get Anton Hudobin signed I think that what happens is is that next year the stars have a they do the same thing that they did this year they had Bishop and Hudobin either going 60-40 but probably closer to about 50-50 with but I still think Bishop is still your 1A and Hudobin is your 1B yeah. and I think that Bishop probably gets maybe a little bit more starts but i think that it's going to be a little bit more even this season and then what you do in the off season regardless of what happens you protect anton hudobin and then seattle will see ben bishop available and they'll take him it was the exact same thing that the pittsburgh penguins did with matt murray and they let flurry go which fuck was that a mistake so who knows the stars might learn their lessons, but I don't see Anton Hudobin be as concussion uh uh prone. Concussion prone as Matt Murray was and is. And he's not even their starting goalie anymore. And there's rumors that I know I'm sorry. Uh I, there's rumors that they're not that Pittsburgh's not going to protect Matt Murray. So maybe they'll have Seattle will have like their choice between Matt Murray, Ben Bishop, two injury prone goalies. But I still think you have Ben Bishop, and I think that they lay the red carpet out for Ben Bishop, like like Vegas did for Mark Andre Fleury. Like they had like a draft party and said, "Our first pick in the expansion draft is Mark Andre Fleury," and I think they do the same thing with Ben Bishop. But it'll also depend on, and this is what sucks about COVID, is that the AHL will not have a season next year if COVID is still a thing. The NHL can survive maybe another year or two on just advertisements and. All of that. But the AHL can't. They have to have fans in the stands. So if COVID is still a thing, then that means that Jake Ottinger is not getting starts. And that makes you wonder, is if Jake Ottinger is not getting starts, you need to get him into the NHL as soon as possible. And if Anton Hudobin does not do as well as we probably hope that he will next year, maybe you protect Bishop. And then they'll want to take Anton Hudobin which would still be very worthy of, of of a pick from Seattle. So it just, there are so many things that are up in the air right now where it's just so hard to tell on what you do. But just like I said, just like I said on the bonus round episode is that this is a good problem to have. And the good news is, is that we are in no rush to make that decision. The only thing that they have to do is just re-sign Anton Hudobin. And I think that he'll probably be one of the last people that they sign because I think that all the goalies are kind of, seeing where everyone else goes yeah and so they can hate robin leonard and they can hate eight they can hate sergey Bobrovsky because those two guys have just completely fucked the goalie market this year because now instead of probably making seven and a half eight million dollars a year these really good goalies are probably going to be going for like six and a half seven or maybe even less than that because of uh, not jacob, cap issues not jacob markstrom jacob markstrom is probably lundquist won't hudobin won't um, uh, Holby, Holby, Holtby, maybe, but Jacob Markstrom for sure. He's going to be looking for that eight million dollar deal. 
And so he'll be the one that'll probably be, but like he'll have to settle between six and a half and seven. Yeah. But everyone else, I think, will probably be pretty low be between five and a half and six. And maybe the, maybe by the time the next podcast rolls around, I'm going to be eating my words and Henrik Lundqvist signs with Carolina for fucking $9 million a year for three years. And good for all of them. But I just don't see it happening now because it's just too big of a risk with how bad Bobrovsky played and how little Robin Leonard took. So yeah. good for Robin Leonard, bad for everyone else. Yeah. Good for Vegas. Like that's such a steal. Dude, yeah. So who knows if the, what they're going to do with Flower now and it's just it's going it's going to be a lot of fun to really see what happens now. So dude, you know what would be crazy is if uh Vegas protects Leonard and Seattle took Flurry. Took Flurry. Oh my god, wouldn't that I didn't even think about that. <laughs> God, that would be crazy. Dude, what if they took Fleury and Bishop? They wouldn't do that. You they wouldn't. So? They, no, Too no way. Money? No way. It depends on who the stars would protect. But if you can only protect seven forwards on this team, Jesus. You know, yeah. like that's that that might be something where we might be saying goodbye to Rope Hens. You don't think they would protect him? It depends. It depends on yeah, okay, how. Okay, okay, real quick, off the top of your head, who would you protect? Oh God! If, ben if, and Sagan, obviously. Ben, oh, fuck, dude, I can't even answer that question, man. Radulov's probably gone next year, possibly, and he might go and just straight up just sign with Seattle. Yeah. So, Ben Sagan. Let's okay. Let's just say okay. Let's just say the team that we have now, the team that we have now. Let's say that everyone stays and no, there are no changes. So then, Ben Sagan, Radulov. Ben Sagan, Radulov, Pavelski. Pavelski, Pavelski. These are just the forward. Ben Sagan, Radulov, Pavelski. Man, I think you got to throw hints in right there. Uh, well, and see, it depends. How good did Kiviranta do? I think you protect Kiviranta because he's younger. Yeah, I, I think that right now, I think that, uh, I think you have to, right now you have to protect hints. Yeah. God, I, this is such a this is such a hard because I mean it, oh my god, dude. Um But then but then you go, okay. Dude, you've got to protect Garyanov. That and yeah, you got to protect Garyanov. What about the FCC line? I it I know. I know. I know. I think that if anything, oh. see, that's why I'm saying like those are the hard decisions that you have to make. It, they can't they can't just completely deplete one team, right? Like they have No, to, it's one one player per team. Okay. One player per team. Okay. 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 Good. Because I was like, man. And see, that's why I'm thinking. That would, be, that would be just terrible if they were like, oh, who did you protect? Okay, we'll take the rest. Because see, here's here's what I'm thinking here is that the Stars goalie tandem is that good. The best goalie tandem in the league. Yeah. And I, I think that whichever goalie you don't protect, that's the one that they're taking. That's just the way that I see it going down from this Dallas Stars team. I think that the goalie is that good, and I think that before you would even take a forward, you would probably take a defenseman. And I don't think it's seven defensemen. I think it's only four. Yeah, I was about to say seven is like almost all the defensemen. It's more than all of their defensemen per, per team. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's that's the easy so, one where it's just... It, oh, if, H- if, Haskinen, you protect Haskinen. Lindell, Klingberg, Lindell, and Alexiak. Klingberg. If it's four, that's what it is. Yeah, but if they sign, if they sign, uh, Petrangelo, Petrangelo or um, Ennis. Yeah, no, no, um, Krug. Uh, 
Yes, yes, Tori Krug. If they sign either one of those, I'm sorry, I bumped my mic. If they if they sign either one of those, then that's the one that you have to protect. And I think then I think then you give serious consideration to Jamie Alexiak. Yeah. So, but it's once again that's there. That's so hard to determine, and we'll do that next postseason. Yeah. Like like we really will. But if you had to pick the team right now, that those are the people that you protect. And I think Hints is one of those players that you look at him and you go, Yeah, we want to protect you, but. Where's Joel Esperance in all this? Is he getting consider is is he getting consistent starting time? And is he doing well? Then you protect him. Maybe Kivi Ranta falls off and you don't protect Kivi Ranta and they take him and he thrives up there. I mean, it's just that's what happened with Cody Eakin. He, mm-hmm. he like they didn't protect Cody Eakin, and I was scared that they were gonna take Alexiak, but they took Cody Eakin and he went there and he he did great for the first couple of years that he was there. Now he's kind of fallen off, and that's just Jim Nill looking at it, just saying, like, okay take Cody Eakin. Yeah. We don't need him. We see that his value is going to diminish after a while. Yeah. So that would be everything that I would think that, uh, whenever it comes to the expansion draft, really what I would do, resign Hudobin, go with Bishop and Hudobin and see where COVID takes you and see where Jake Ottinger is at the end of this year. Yeah. And then you protect, depending on who does great and who does whatever this year. I think that I still think that you protect Anton Hudobin you let them take Ben Bishop. And I think that that would be the easiest way to get rid of Ben Bishop's contract. You don't have to trade him. No one ever has to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about paying half his salary. Yeah, it's just gone. You take it, yeah. So I think that that's what happens. Which, what a, dude, what a, what a world for Dallas Stars fans to live in that the easy thing, the thing that you don't lose any sleep over is... Letting Ben Bishop go? Letting, letting the... The second expansion draft in what five years? No, less than that. <coughs> four years. <coughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so the second expansion draft in four years, and you're you're looking at it going, Yeah, we can let our number one goalie walk. That's fine. Well, and I think that going through it with Vegas so soon is what kind of made it easier to prepare for this because we hadn't seen an expansion draft since Nashville came into the uh, Nashville? No, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Nat. I think we haven't seen an expansion draft since Nashville came into the league in two thousand and five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the last team I can think of. So it, whenever Vegas came around, it'd been ten plus years, and we a lot of people were going, okay, well, how's this one going to work? And so it, now you kind of have a way to game plan for it because you've been through one in the recent past, and. I, yeah, I, I I agree. It's a weird world, but I think it's also a I think it's a smart move, and I think it's a move that you lose zero sleep over whenever it comes to what you have to do. So, but it's so hard to look at the expansion draft without any kind of context of what next season's going to look like. Yeah. So, real quick, I know I know that we we've, we've taken way too long on this, but I think whenever it comes to the people that I think that will be available for the stars. Because they have the last, the the next to last pick in the draft. They have pick thirty, mm-hmm. and I think that the the in your face pick that I think will be available will be Tyson uh, Tyson Forster. He plays in the OHL, and the dude has a cannon. That he has one of the hardest slap shots, probably the hardest slap shot shot in the entire draft this year, and that's something that I think that Rick Bonus can kind of take 
and really use to his advantage in the future because he is not going to be NHL ready because if you watch him skate, the dude is very heavy-footed. He he stands up straight a whole lot. Uh, whenever the puck's not over on his side of the ice, he kind of stands still and he doesn't prepare himself. So he's not the best skater, but they were saying the same thing about Jamie Benn whenever they drafted him. But the difference is, is that this guy's going to be a first-rounder. Jamie Benn wasn't selected till like the seventh round. So it's I, I think that the easy pick for someone that would be available is Tyson Forrester. So keep your eye on that for the draft that's going to be coming up this weekend. But do not be surprised if they take Dylan Peterson. He is a guy that is ranked in the high 60s in prospects. But he's one of those big-bodied guys that I think that would really fit in well with this system because he just because he's big does not mean that he's not fast, and he's very, very good with the puck. And he he, he probably does a drop pass better than anyone in this in this draft. So Dylan Peterson would be like kind of like an eyebrow raising, like who? Like maybe kind of like what they did with Ty Delandria, like who? But Ty Delandria is looking great. He's playing well, and you can see him being a big contributor for this team going forward. And I think that if, do not be surprised if they draft Dylan Peterson with that pick, but they might hope that he falls into the second round and maybe they'll trade up to get him. So that wouldn't surprise me either. But I think that the the pick that they make is Tyson Forrester. So yeah. keep it, keep an eye out on that one. Okie dokie. All right. So now, go ahead. Are you, are you, nope. Done. Done. Okay. So, going from a Dallas team that is great on defense to the Cowboys. A Dallas team that's questionable at defense at best. Have they heard of defense? <laughs> I'm telling is, you. Can they spell it? I am telling you, do not spell defense with a C. What's the matter with you? It's an S. Yeah. Uh, but it at the end of the word, just to clarify. It's for, not Keyfence. No. <laughs> Keyfence, it's C-fence. Oh, <laughs> Yabin. So, but see, but we knew going into this game against Cleveland, we knew that their secondary was not very good even last year. I just didn't know that the secondary was good enough to make Baker, or was bad enough to I, make Baker Mayfield look good. Baker Mayfield wasn't the only one that threw touchdown passes on them on oh, Sunday I either. I know. That's the, that's the frustrating thing, but it's still. And see, Cowboys fans, you we like this we is the life all, of a Cowboys no, fan. Last week, last week we were talking about, hey, they could go eleven and five. Now I'm thinking they might go four and twelve. No, they won't. I promise you, you will not go four and twelve. Here's the problem, though, and I've been telling this is going to be the conversation every single week. Because this is really the only matter of the Cowboys that I am really an expert on that no one else in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is, unless you're a Packers fan, is Mike McCarthy. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I know that last week I was saying that that game justified, or no, the Atlanta Falcons game, I was saying justified the Mike McCarthy hiring. And I'm not, I'm not going back on my word there. I am not going back on my word there. I am just saying that with Mike McCarthy, you the defense is a very distant concern for that man. He wants to beat you on the scoreboard, and if you're gonna go at him, he's gonna go right back at you. And he proved it there too. Is that 
whenever they whenever they were down 41 to 14, I looked at it and I thought it was over. I think a lot of people also looked at that and said this game's done. Yeah. But the Cowboys came out and they made a game of it. And it just it, it proved too little too late because the the Browns I think are going to be a better team than I thought, than really a whole lot of people thought. And I think that they honestly will compete for the wild card spot in the AFC. Yes, whenever they played the the Ravens in week one, they got monkey stomped. And then they beat the Bengals and the Redskins. Or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. The Washington football team. But th- And those are two really bad teams. Yeah. But then they come into Dallas and they put up 49 on you. And that's that's one of those games that that could be a turning point for the Cleveland Browns. They look at themselves and they look at a team that is as stacked. Of course, whenever they whenever they beat Washington and whenever they beat Cincinnati and they barely beat Cincinnati. That's one of those games where you look at it and that might be a turning point for Cleveland. Cleveland might look and say, we can compete. When was the last time Cleveland beat Dallas? Oh, dude, I don't know. Do you know? Sunday. Before Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea either. So it's, I mean, the, the Browns, I think, are going to be sneaky good. I'm not saying that they're going to be world beaters. I'm not saying that they're going to be, they're, I'm, not even gonna, I'm not even saying that they're going to have double-digit wins this year. But I could see them going 9-7 and seven and sneaking into a wild-card spot. And it was it was like whenever the Cowboys... It was that first year that Russell Wilson was the quarterback for Seattle. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what year that was, but but the Cowboys went into Seattle, and Seattle was fresh off the 9-7 and seven playoff appearance where they beat the Saints. Yeah. And that was all Marshawn Lynch, and so no one expected anything from Seattle. But at the beginning of the year, the Cowboys go to Seattle and lose, and all that next week was like, how do you lose to this terrible Seattle team? You just don't do that. Seattle ends up doing really well and making the playoffs again, and not just making the playoffs, but they won the, the NFC West that year. And I think that this might be another one of those situations where right now I know it seems like that this is the end of the world and the Cowboys are going to go 8-8 eight eight again if we're lucky. But I still think that at the end of the year, you're going to look back on this game and say, you know what? They lost, but Cleveland was actually really good this year. I mean, they're kind of like Dallas to a point where it's like they've got these names. They've got all these big names. When are they finally going to do great? And I think that this is that first year that they will do great. So I know that uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Do you have anything to add? Oh, no, no, that, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to say, hey, let me talk. I was just reacting. Yeah. So I, I just I, I think that please do not call it quits on this season just yet, guys. It's very early in the year. We're still trying to figure out the new identity of this team and what Mike McCarthy's going to do with it. He now understands, I think now more than ever, that he does not have an Aaron Rodgers. He can't just look at the defense and say, well, we'll beat you. We'll, we'll outgun you. You don't have a team that's equipped to do that. They proved that this last week. You can't, if you can't beat the Cleveland Browns in a shootout, you're not a team that's going to win very many shootouts. And so maybe that this is that moment where Mike McCarthy's like, well, Dak Prescott's been great. And he still did look great yeah. in that game. But I I still don't think that he's Aaron Rodgers great. No. And I think that this was that moment for Mike McCarthy where he can take a look at that and say, okay, 
I can't let the defense be secondary here. No pun intended, but I can't, I can't allow the defense to not be a focal point of mine. Yeah. We really need to invest a lot in this defense. Yeah. More importantly, the secondary, because Mike McCarthy's teams always had a good front. Yeah. They always did. Uh, And it was always the secondary that was questionable. And it's the same thing here. It's the exact same thing here. You've got this elite offense, a very good front on your defense when it comes to your linebackers and your uh, and your defensive ends and your defensive tackles, but your secondary is not that good, and they haven't been. And this is not a, this is not a new development. Yeah. I honestly, it it from a, from a Cowboys fans perspective, it really just feels like deja vu all over again, though. You I know, know I know it, it might really seem does. like that. It, I, I'm not I'm not saying it's th- that's what I'm thinking. I'm saying this is how it feels. And it's it's one of those situations that you you look at it and you go, "Yeah, I know Cleveland I mean, you can only have so many number 1 overall picks on your team before you go at least <laughs> 8 and 8." Yeah. Uh so Are we still talking about the Cowboys? <laughs> no, we're not, no, I'm just kidding. Uh so yeah, Cleveland eventually is going to put it together and and it looks like it might be this year, but it's still, man, as a Cowboys fan over the past 10 years, how many moments like this have we had? I know, I know. It's like this where it's like looking back on the season, man, we're one play away from being 0-4. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you're not. And 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 I've I've always said you've got to take what's in front of you and a oh, one yeah. in, and oh, a yeah. one and three start is not ideal. However, it is what you picked. It is what I picked. It's just not the right way that I thought it was going to go down. So I see I knew I knew the Falcons were going to be bad. I knew it. And so here yeah. And so here's the here's here's your remaining four games for the Cowboys. You've got the Giants, you've got the Cardinals, You've got the you've got Washington and then you've got the Eagles. Three massive games, three very winnable games. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, what you have going for you is that you play in the NFC East, and you got teams that are not gonna compete, truly compete for anything, because the Giants are rebuilding. The Washington football team, we don't even they don't even have a name. <laughs> So it, like that's how yeah. bad things are in Washington. So they are as rebuild as you can get. Not just the team, but the they're franchise. Not just, they're not just rebuilding; they're rebranding everything. So you've got that, and then you've got the Eagles, who have this massive expectations, and they're not living up to it. They're not living up to it. And so it's 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 really easy to feel down and low in this moment. But I'm willing to bet that on November 1st, and that's okay, let's say November 2nd, because that's that's a that that's a night game. Uh, let's say on November 2nd, I think you're sitting pretty at five and three. I really do. And I I don't I don't see if you're not sitting five and three come November 2nd. Then we've got big problems. So we can remember this conversation right now, and we can come back to it so later. Think, so you think the Cowboys beat the Falcons? Or not the Falcons, the, the Cardinals? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You don't think so? 
I think the secondary is not just exposed, but it's exposed for just how truly bad they've played. And I don't know if I don't know if that means that they really just are that bad, but with a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray, you're going to have to expect your secondary to also watch for the run. And that's part of what opens up the passing game. You don't even need him to open up the passing game against the secondary. So I don't know. Now I'm not saying Kyler Murray's that good. I'm saying apparently the Cowboys defense can't stop Oklahoma quarterbacks. So Dude, the Cardinals have lost to the Lions and the Panthers in back-to-back weeks. And I, I, I don't see it getting... They play the Jets, so there is a chance that the Cardinals might be coming in with a better record than I think that their record really states. But I think that the Cardinals are going to be coming in on... See, in, the, see, in, in two weeks, both teams are playing teams from New York. Mm-hmm. The Giants and the, the fucking Jets. And I think that it's really going to depend how each team looks, who's going to have the most momentum and the most confidence going into it. And so I, I, and I know that that's one of the most obvious statements of the century here. And that's, I'm, I'm fucking loaded with those, but I, I, I think that as long as you're really, as long as you're really beating the teams in your division, then you're going to be fine. And I think that the Cowboys are in a great position right now to sweep the NFC East. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though. It's like, as a Cowboys fan, I don't want to see another first-round ass-beating in the playoffs. I would rather miss the playoffs than see that again. See, I think that you've got to get guys. You've got to get guys the the experience, and it's just like any playoff situation. As long as you get in there, then you're there, and you have a chance. And I I think that this team is good enough to make noise in the playoffs. It it's it's all about like how hot your defense can get. And this team is full of players where maybe not in the secondary, but this team is full of playmakers along the front and Mike McCarthy might just steer into that skid and we're just going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and hopefully that they'll hopefully it'll force them into bad throws just bring the house on every play not on every play but I mean it's just Mike McCarthy really knows how to blitz and when to blitz not don't bring the house but how you blitz and whether you come to the outside or in the middle yeah and stunts and everything like that so I, I think Mike McCarthy sees what's going on here. And I think that he is a smart enough coach to make the adjustments that are necessary because it's real easy for someone to come into a fresh brand new season and look at Dak Prescott and say, okay, you're my guy and we're going to make this happen. And Dak Prescott's making things happen, but it's not good enough. And it was the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was making things happen, but it was never good enough. Because his defense constantly let him down. And I honestly believe that they changed the rules of overtime for Aaron Rodgers. Because in 2015, I believe is what it was, whenever he had the two Hail Mary passes, the one against Detroit and then one in the playoffs against Arizona. But there was a 
then it wouldn't have been that year. It was the year before where it was overtime and they, uh, the Falcons just drove down the field, scored a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers never even got a chance to even touch the ball. And I think that they looked at that and went, that's not right. Like other teams should have a chance. So I think that you could probably call the new overtime rules, the Aaron Rodgers rule, because I could see them changing it because of that. And hopefully Mike McCarthy is wise enough to know that just because you have this great quarterback, it does not mean that this world beater can truly beat worlds. And you really, you hopefully, hopefully he sees that and he can make the proper adjustments that are needed. And he has to, he has to, because it's showing that it's not even really, it's not even working and it hasn't worked. And the problem is that Mike McCarthy is sometimes so prideful that he might uh, he might sit there and think that, nope, what I'm doing is working. No one's going to question me. And it's it's just so hard to tell. But, like, the writing is on the wall that you have to end up – you have to make changes. You have to take whatever your defense is doing and – get your fingers in that pie and get really involved. And you have to really make sure that the defense is doing what needs to be done because the, uh, the offense is doing everything they need to do. It's time for the defense to step up. We have a cat problem. I was, I was trying to fill time as much as I can. So I'm sorry if that seemed like I was rambling because I was, but, uh, We've got we've got an animal problem down here, and there I'm, I'm I'm sure you heard the rustling going on, and I wish you could, <laughs> I wish you could have been here to see Mal fumble with his cat. We, right now, uh, <laughs> right now we have a bunch of boxes that we need to burn, and of course, you know they've been there all day. Cat doesn't give a shit about them. Now we're trying to record, and he's just going crazy. So I apologize if that seemed like that I was just incoherently babbling. I was. I was just trying to fill the air, and it just it took too long. And I couldn't babble long enough. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's 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 that simple. The problems that we knew the Cowboys were going to have, they're having them right now. Like it, and and I I don't see why it takes two morons recording a podcast together to see this and say it needs to change. And I know it's only been four weeks and you've got to allow him time to change. And I understand that, but you, but you should have known this going into the season. So what's the problem now? Like what, like what, like what, what's taking you so long to understand that the offense isn't good enough to beat teams. It is, but it's the NFL. It's the NFL. This is the lesson that you learn and that should have been learned already is that only playing offense or not only playing offense, but playing offense to the point to where you neglect the defense is going to be a recipe for losing games. No offense, no offense in the history of the NFL has been good enough to win games on their own period period. So, I don't know what NFL Mike McCarthy's been watching. He's been watching an NFL that has Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Like, yeah, like okay. I, I know, I know, okay. I always, I know, I always bring up stuff like that, but it's just I can't okay, wait but for. Still, still, they have one ring. 
One. I know. One. I know. But see, I'm telling you, that's that was the problem, and that's why I was saying that Mike McCarthy is so prideful. That's that's why I said at the beginning of the year that I could see Mike McCarthy going with um, Andy Dalton over Dak Prescott because I could see Dak Prescott doing the same thing that Aaron Rodgers did, standing up to Mike McCarthy saying, this isn't right. We need to change things. The only difference was is they had backups like Matt Flynn, Seneca Wallace, and not good enough to really overtake Aaron Rodgers. And it's 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 completely asinine and ridiculous to think that Andy Dalton could even hold Dak Prescott's jock. But I think that Andy Dalton is a more enticing backup quarterback in the mind of Mike McCarthy because he's more proven. And I think that Mike McCarthy could keep that in his back pocket and then eventually go... Andy, you're starting. I'm pulling this card out because Dak Prescott's got to be the problem. It's not me. <laughs> I'm not the problem. I'm a head coach that has a Super Bowl ring. I know how to win. And I, I could see him, I could see Mike McCarthy being so prideful that instead of looking at the system and saying, my system is wrong, let's change some things, to just changing the players. I think at this point, if you bench Dak Prescott, you get fired. Period. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, and, and, I, and I if agree. Mike McCarthy is prideful enough to do that, then I think he deserves to get the boot. And I don't think he will, and I don't think he will. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see him benching Dak Prescott. I don't see him getting fired. Like, it's just, you, you don't do that. You got to give him time yeah. to coach and make this his team, and it, there's going to be a learning curve, and you've got a young enough team to make that happen, and you can, you've got enough time to fill those goals in that secondary Really, they should have let they shouldn't have let Byron Jones go. Like, like that's just in the end, you had to make a deal. It was like with the. I'm I'm sorry. I know this isn't a Packers podcast, but it's very relatable because of Mike McCarthy. But it was like whenever the Packers let Casey Hayward walk, and he's fucking killing it in Los Angeles now. Used to be San Diego, but in the, he, whenever he went to the Chargers, he did so great, and the Packers defense only got worse. And Mike McCarthy is very much, he's, he's, it, it was like whenever, uh, who was the head coach of the Cowboys that won the Super Bowl in Denver? Um, Wade Phillips. Yeah. It was like whenever Wade Phillips was the head coach in Dallas, like he's such a great defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. You could say the same thing about Mike McCarthy is he would be an awesome offensive coordinator somewhere, but he's not a good head. He's not a good head coach whenever it comes to balance. And I've been, I've been saying that since they hired Mike McCarthy but I still think that the Atlanta win justified that hiring because once again, I think if you have Jason Garrett right now, you're you're zero and four instead of one and three. Possibly, but I mean, it's I, th I there's no way that Jason Garrett coaches the team no. back into a position to win. The, fuck, not even just win the game against Atlanta, but win the game against Cleveland this last Sunday. Like it's like they were still in it. And I know that a lot of people want to talk about the, and I, I ended up going back and looking at it, the the squib kick that we were talking about. There were two squib kicks, one with six and a half minutes to play that did go into the end zone. Right, and then the other one. And then the was other like one. That, yeah, I don't know what was going on with that one. Like, yeah. I don't know why. I think that that first squib kick, whenever it went up, it, it was kind of like spinning there and like right at the one yard line. And that whoever it was back there, I think it was Beckham, was back there watching that ball spin and I'm sitting here going fucking run get to the ball because if you were if you fucking recover that then that's that's just as good as an onside kick and they lucked out that it rolled into the end zone and I think Mike McCarthy kind of looked at that and went go do that again and it just didn't work and it, it's like dude like it, once again it's like the two fake punts the other week 
Like you do one good, like, like do that, keep the defense questioning. But if you pull it again, they're going to see it coming in the same game. Like it's like, they're ready for it. Like, what are you thinking, man? So this is, this is those things that you get with Mike McCarthy. I've, I've, I've been saying that you either live with a 14 and two record, or you're going to die with a two and 14 record, but you're sure as shit, not going to go eight and eight with this man. But you also have to keep in mind what happened with Jimmy Johnson's first year. They were, they only won one game that year. I'm not trying to say that Mike McCarthy is Jimmy Johnson, but still at the same time, it, you can't look at a first year head coach starting off in four weeks, going one and three and sitting there saying, this man doesn't know what he's doing. This team is a failure. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not saying that you're saying yeah. that, I, but you know, Cowboys oh, fans course, are saying yeah. that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Here's a fun little interesting tidbit. Jeff Cavanaugh just tweeted, the Cowboys defense has one player, being Xavier Woods, uh, one defensive player graded as being in the top 35 at his position in the league. One in the top 35. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, the you... rest of the defense probably wouldn't start on any other team. No, no. I, and it's just, it, I'm, man, this is just, this is the Mike McCarthy way. This just, this is what you get with Mike McCarthy. I can't stress that enough. Wow. So I, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, like, this is, this is what I've been saying this whole time. And I'm not. Uh, you're gonna we're gonna have games that we're gonna be talking about the rest of this year where you're gonna be like Jesus Christ did you see that game they looked so good and the offense was just clicking firing at all cylinders and stuff like that but then you're gonna get games against teams that have a great offense and you're gonna look at this and just and, and Cleveland doesn't even have a great offense but how do you you've been playing against Odell Beckham Jr. for how many fucking years now yeah whenever he was in the Giants how do you let him torch you like he did this last week uh, you don't have anybody playing. I know, I know, I know. And it's just like, obviously there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed with the Cowboys secondary. But speaking, that was the story of the Mike McCarthy Packers for years and years and years. And Ted Thompson kept drafting safeties and cornerbacks. And it just, it, they never panned out. They never worked because it, under Mike McCarthy's system, he's going to beat you. Lindy Ruff. He's the Lindy Ruff of the NFL. He's going to beat you on that scoreboard by scoring more points than you. And if you're going to try and outgun him, then he's going to say, bring it on. Yeah. And it's so just, just it's like, be, it's, like uh, it's like pulling your goal. It's not like it's like not even playing with a goalie <laughs> and just saying we're going to live in the offensive zone <laughs> with that extra uh, attacker. And, you know, we're just it's going to the whole game is going to be a power play. <laughs> they're gonna be long-handed the whole time yes i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> that is long-handed i wouldn't i wouldn't go as far to say that extreme but uh but yeah yeah i mean pretty much it's, it's just, what it feels like yeah it's it, it definitely granted, feels like that granted that actually is what's happening in oklahoma so mm-hmm. i had to get that shot in there because it's hate week well you also want to talk about a shot ah, da, da, da. the fort worth area Congratulations to the TCU Horn Frogs. You get nothing. You get no congratulations. You know what? This is a, a Fort Worth. This is this is a DFW podcast, man. I know. And I gotta tell you, even if even if they even if TCU beats 
uh, my beloved Texas Tech Red Raiders. You still got to give them credit where credit is due. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. They they executed when the Longhorns didn't. It was, and I'm not. I'm. I know we joke around about blaming the refs. I'm not trying to blame the refs. It was hands down the worst officiated game I've ever watched. Period. Period. That's not an exaggeration. And when it boiled down to it, TCU executed, Texas didn't. But it was, oh God. On both sides? So bad. Ish. Ish. Uh, the, the penalties, actually, TCU got called for more penalties, but the, the, the thing that happened three times, maybe four, uh, was that TCU, they would throw a flag, it would be on TCU, the uh, commentators would even be like, oh yeah, that's going to be on so-and-so for this hold right here. They show the replay, they show the guy tackling the guy, and then the announcer, or the the head official comes on and goes, there is no penalty for holding, and the commentators even go, what? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why they would pick that up. Joel Klatt, in the game, said that this is one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. <laughs> he was the commentator. Yeah. Okay, but uh, that's not trying to take anything away from TCU. I want you to say I want you to say one good thing about TCU. Not that they and don't say they executed and Texas didn't. I want you I want you to give me one player from TCU that stood out to you while you were watching that game. In a good way? Yes, in a good way. This is a DFW podcast here. Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew no, is pretty uh, fast. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew is fast. Fast, fast. He plays defense, and he was in on a lot of plays. He's not very big. He's the he's, only. He's the he's only fast. TCU player that you'll highlight in a positive way. No, you have to. You can't like just because you're bad you about one. it. You said one. But I mean, someone that's like legit worthy of giving praise. Like the offense obviously outscored the Texas offense, so someone on the offense has to do great. Okay, so there's your defensive player. Give me one from the offense. Someone had to have done great. That's the thing. I'm looking. Like, what was it? Thirty-three to. What was the What was the final score of that game? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was. Uh, Thirty-three to twenty-nine. I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But um. It's, honestly, honestly, looking back, obviously the standout would be the quarterback Max Duggan. But if you look at the game, you watch the game. He played well, but it didn't, I don't know, It, it in a normal game, it wouldn't be like standout, noteworthy, like that guy, got to give my props to him. It was like, no, he he played well. He didn't. Yeah, I mean, 20 for 30, 231 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a he had a running touchdown. He had two. Two running touchdowns. Two, so, two rushing touchdowns. So there we go. Let's go, with, let, let's go with the offensive player of the game being Max Duggan. Fine, whatever. He looks like the kid from Spy Kids, but uh, eat a dick. I don't care. We've really got to work on that. If this is going to be a DFW sports <laughs> podcast, you can't be talking shit. That'd be like getting on here and talking shit about the Rangers. That's what we do. <laughs> okay. That's a fair point. <laughs> no, well, congratulations. For, congratulations for, to TCU for, for getting real, a huge though, win. Ser- seriously, though, a completely genuine moment. Gary Patterson... Always, always, always has his teams ready to play big games. 
and you can never count TCU out, they might not win the games that you expect them to win, but by God, they're going to win some games you do not expect them to be and that, that competitive win, in. That win might have saved his job. I mean, I don't... Maybe? Maybe? I know that he wasn't one of those coaches that was that was that people were talking about were on the hot seat, but I know that if he comes out and he just if he doesn't win big games and if he doesn't get a bowl win or whatever, I I think that his job is at least in question. Because I mean he was he was there whenever TCU was them and Baylor were going at it. They they were the top echelon of the Big Twelve, and now they've fallen like massively from grace. And so you can kind of look at it saying. What do we need to change? Like probably head coach, but I think that beating Texas at least gives him one more, at least one more year well, of so, elbow room. So this is this is the thing, and this is why. I mean, if we're gonna dive into college football, even if it's just for this episode, the biggest thing, the biggest. Uh, speaking of not playing any defense in football, uh, the Big Twelve gets shit on a lot because people think that it's just an offensive league offensive conference nobody cares about playing defense blah 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 tcu is that monkey rich they play not just solid they play good defense they always have every year every year they play good defense and you know how you know it's because every year they're playing two or three of the top 10 offenses in the country and they're routinely holding them to 14 to 21 points below their average. You could probably argue that whenever uh, Boykin was the quarterback there, that they kind of went away from that because that game, that game that they had against Baylor for the big 12 championship, it was like 63 to 58 or something. So it's whenever Trayvon Boykin was the quarterback, you could, you could, uh, there's always outlying games. Oh, of course. Where, oh, of course there, of course there are, of course there are. It's just, yeah, it, I'm just saying they, they always play good defense at, at TCU. Maybe not every game, but every year they play yeah. good defense. So that's like that's one of those things that, as a Texas fan, I'm not even gonna try to obvious. It's obvious by now that I'm a Texas fan. Like I look at Gary Patterson, and he had that he had that um, that little uh, uh, what do you call it um, snafu scandal whatever you want to call it this year where maybe he called his players the n-word maybe he didn't i don't know he apologized and then the university was like good enough but as as a before that moment i've been looking i've been hoping for uh somebody to hire him away because i just since since tcu came into the big 12 in 2012, they're one, no, sorry, two and eight. Holy shit, has it been that long already? Yeah, sorry, not two and eight, uh, two and six, but yeah, it's been, it's been eight, eight years. Yeah, so now, now two and seven. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Two and seven, two and seven in what games? Against, sorry, against Texas. Yeah, against Texas. And see, that's that's why it makes it so much fun for me because the games against Texas Tech are they're always entertaining. Oh, especially when it was like Cliff Kingsbury who was like no defense, yeah, and, and Gary Patterson was like, we might have offense players. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so uh, it's just it, 
TCU's always they're they're kind of like Iowa State, man. Like it's just Iowa State is always that team that you know ne- you That's never have big expectations the big, from them. The Big but, Twelve is full of trap games. Yes, they are full of trap games. Yes, they especially are. this year where and they it, had such a bad start. And you you know if you if you pay attention to college football, you're like, oh man, the Big Twelve is going to be easy. And then you look at it, and you're like. I don't know. I, know I feel like I feel like everybody just stumbled at the same time, and now everything's a trap game. Yeah, it's it's it, that's the problem with being in the Big Twelve. Is you want to look at the SEC, it's always one or two teams that are elite every year, whether it be LSU and Alabama. Yeah, or, over the over the past decade, obviously Oklahoma has been there every year at, in the top of the Big Twelve. Not necessarily the top, but in the top. Yeah, yeah, three. yeah. They're, Oklahoma is probably the only consistent team every but, year that yeah, they're battling for been, it. It's uh, Baylor's played for the Big Twelve championship. TCU's, TCU's played for the Big Twelve championship. I think Oklahoma State has once or twice. Uh, Iowa State, they they played last year for the Big Twelve championship. Yeah. So was it, I thought it was Kansas State that played last year. No, it was Iowa State. Okay. Or. Uh, I, I think it was Kansas. Anyway, no, no, but, no, but, but Kansas State beat yeah, Oklahoma yep, two Kansas, years in a row. Two years now. in a row. So, yeah, so that's showing that last year wasn't a fluke, man. That's, you you could say what you want about the Big 12 if you think it's the, the, you know, the worst or one of the worst of the Power Five conferences. I disagree. But one thing you cannot disagree on is that it has the perception of, it's Texas and Oklahoma the same way that everybody looks at the SEC and they're like, it's Georgia and Alabama. And, and, well, and, now it is. And, Ten years ago, it was LSU and Alabama. Right. And then it was Florida and Alabama, I guess. Yeah, but but in reality... It's never Vanderbilt. In reality, I would say the, the Big 12 is more competitive than the SEC because the SEC, obviously, their top echelon teams are better. They prove it every year in the playoff when they beat Oklahoma. But Texas has one Kansas. Right? Or not Texas. Uh, big, the Big 12 has one Kansas. And it's Kansas. They have one primarily basketball yes. school. Right? Yeah, and uh, Kansas is the only team that never really makes noise. Never. Never. It, until they, you know, get Charlie Strong fired. And, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. Mm. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, right. He's already right. been fired. From but yeah, this whenever next it comes, to, you don't even have to argue about the SEC. You could Pac-12. It was always Oregon. That or, was Oregon, USC. Oregon. Well, USC not for a while. Well, yeah, and not I've even heard. Oregon for a while. Yeah. Like, like Washington State. Oregon State. I, yeah, Cal. Who fucking knows? But then whenever it comes to the Stanford, big t- Stanford, Stanford, was Stanford whenever they had Andrew Luck. Yeah. Uh, so but it's it's always one team in that conference. Oh, yeah. And especially in the in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan sometimes. Wisconsin sometimes. Wisconsin, Wisconsin sometimes, but Michigan it's never state sometimes. Penn State. Not really. Sometimes. I mean Dude, okay. <laughs> Every, yeah, I every guess, I guess you could, every conference has that one team that's always there, but I think that there is more turnaround in the Big Twelve for dude, it, for who's playing. Oklahoma. You probably just convinced me that the Big Ten is probably have just as big of a turnaround as just, probably oh, I think, just. Yeah, I think, the, yeah. I think the Big Ten has been the best 
uh, conference in football for the past five or six years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was sitting there thinking like, no, Ohio State is that entire fucking division, but no, it's not. That, nope. It, no, it's not. Nope. Uh, it gets that perception because Jim Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State. Oh, dude, and I root for that booger eater so much, <laughs> man. Time. I root for him every, every time. time, man. Like it's just, I view, I view. But see, the problem is, is I view Michigan kind of like in the same echelon as Oklahoma, where Oklahoma might be great, but look at their players. Yeah. Where where do they where do they all originate from Texas? It's the same thing with Michigan. Where do all their players come from? Yeah, Ohio. You know, it's just like that's just the way that it is. And so, but but still, it's just I cannot stand Ohio State, and it's just whenever I say OH, I fully expect everyone else around me to say shut the fuck up. Like nobody cares. But you're right though, man. Like you 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 like just right now have convinced me. You were like, well, sometimes this, sometimes this, sometimes yeah. this, and I'm like fuck like they have a lot of turnaround too yeah so when when anybody around me says oh i say hell no nice yeah nice you're a little bit more tame than i am <laughs> so i mean the big 12 is uh it's one of those it, it's just one of those conferences that every year it never it, it's, ne- it, it's always going to be a shock every year it is but you're, it's you're but always not gonna to have be- oklahoma well maybe not this year but for the past like 20 we'll find years out. For the pretty much the past twenty years, Oklahoma's always been right in there, you know. And then uh, who knows after that? And then and then who after the that, fuck knows after that? Could be Texas, could be you know. Well, if you're going back the past twenty years, Texas has sometimes been that top team, so we have to throw that out there. But who? Texas. Oh, Texas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it could be TCU. You know, it could be Baylor. Could be Ohio, Oklahoma State. It could be Iowa State. It could be Texas Tech. Thank you very much. I was sitting here. I was like, why is it taking him so long to say tech here? Because <laughs> you want to talk about going back 20 years. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's all we've got. Michael Crabtree. That's that's it. Michael Crabtree, Graham Harrell. Fucking sit on that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you turn and then around they, and almost lost even, to Baylor. Well, and then they didn't even win the bowl that they played that year. So no, it's just like no, we had their, that their one bowl, moment. Yes. Their bowl was Texas. That was it. That was it. That was, like, that, that was like that was the key moment for Tech that there. Weird three way tie between, between Texas, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas, Texas Tech, Tech, where they all had one loss and it was to each <laughs> to other. Each other, yes. And and the entire college football world went. I don't know. Give it to Oklahoma. No, but see, but it's always like that every year. Like I'm telling you, you go back to that 2008 season. It's like that every year in the big 12 and everyone just kind of looked at it and went, what do we do? Welcome to welcome to life in the big 12 people. The crazy thing is the crazy thing is people looked at it and they're like, okay, that hurt Texas and Oklahoma, which the big 12 treats, it treats Texas and Oklahoma they're the, they're the, 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 yes, they do the big brothers and they get treated like, yes, they do. They get treated like it. I'm not even going to try to deny it. After that year, the Big 12 got rid of the championship game because yeah. it hurt. It hurt Texas, and uh, it it hurt Texas, and it almost hurt Oklahoma because God forbid. Because Texas ended up dropping and not playing in the Big 12 championship, and then Oklahoma played, and it was a closer game than people thought, and it was like, oh shit, they might drop out of the title game. Because they played Florida for the national title that year, and uh, so so the Big Twelve got rid of the the championship game, and then after that, not having a championship game hurt the Big Twelve. Yeah. So and now now for God knows what reason, they're like, oh yeah, we've got the toughest road to the playoff. 
because if you want to make it, if you want to be an undefeated Big 12 champion, that means you had to beat everybody, and one of the one of those people you had to beat twice. Yeah. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, why would you do that? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Why? I don't get it. Why? I I just think I mean that, I know why yeah it's right because it's yeah you just explained teams. why there's only ten teams yeah in the Big Twelve you have to yeah Big Ten like thirteen teams Big Twelve ten, ten teams. teams can we just trade names yeah or right. or what what if if you could bring two teams into the Big Twelve that are truly worthy don't give me SMU and I think SMU is worthy how. SMU's doing better now than TCU was when they brought TCU in. I thought that. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. I saw, whenever they brought TCU in, okay. Yeah. I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I th- I think honestly that would be I think so SMU, good. I, would, I think would be... SMU would give teams like Kansas, and yes. Kansas State, uh, and maybe even Texas yep. a run for their money. I think that because I'm telling you, like with the fucking Pony Express. Back in the 80s, man, like that team should have never gotten the death penalty at all. You want to keep this DFW? We can fucking talk SMU all fucking day long. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, they never should have gotten the death penalty in the first place, because if you're going to give that team the death penalty, why not Miami? Why why not Miami? Why not Alabama? Penn State? Why not Penn State? Auburn? Auburn. Like Auburn is huge for me because my mother went to Auburn, but I can still look at that and admit like, dude, they fucking bribe players. Like it's like it happens. And it sucks that SMU had to fall on that sword just so that way some other team could. They were doing it so much more and so much more blatantly than every other. Yeah, of of course. But still, like I just I like it's just like there's that iconic story about how the guy that came out and announced that SMU got the death penalty. And as soon as he got up and left the room, he passed out mm-hmm. just because he knew how big of a deal that was. And he knew how wrong it was. He was just there to deliver a message. But he just the the moment just overwhelmed him so much that he said, SMU's getting a death penalty. OK, bye. And he gets up and walks out and just pass out in the other room. Yeah. So it's so, just but but if we're going to talk SMU, I, I honestly do think that they are uh, they're primed to be back on the map i hope so man it's gonna be great for them and i'm pretty sure the big 12 is due for realignment in the next year Mm -hmm. or two i would be shocked if they don't bring smu in and part of that part of that is because of guys like shane bouchelle who used to play for texas he his freshman year he set uh texas freshman passing records and then sam ellinger came in and he lost the job (laughs) uh but I mean, it's 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 funny, but it's how it is. And oh, then, no, and I know. Then he goes to SMU. He goes to SMU and lights out. And that's, dude, you want to talk about a feel-good story. Like, he's Steve Bouchelle's son. Like, he's a former Rangers pitcher. Uh, Ranger, yeah, pitcher. Son. And now he's playing college at SMU. And you could argue that he's part of the reason that they're about to get a seat at the table again. For the first time since the fucking 80s. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be? Dude, Dude, I just got chills. Like, seriously, I did. Dude, like, come on. That's awesome. I know that the other team is probably a little bit more obvious, but who's the who's the 12th team you bring back? Or not bring back, but bring into the Big 12. What do you mean more obvious? I, I Dude, I think that this is the first one that you give. Who who would you say? I'm not going to give my answer, but who, like, I'll, I'll give I, it after you. Because SMU is the first one that I would give. SMU wouldn't have been my first choice. Oh. <sighs> Dude, I'd go Houston. You, 
Yeah, Houston. yeah, true. Houston, true. Houston would. I yeah. would. I would honestly. It just sucks that Houston has fallen off so much. Yeah, but I. I think that they have still earned a spot at the table in you the Big Twelve. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? You could argue that the guy who earned them that spot is coaching at Texas. Coaching now. at Texas now, right? Right. <laughs> so I, yeah. So yeah. I. I just think that but, it, but yeah. just to, just to kind of touch on that real quick. I. I would love SMU back in the Big Twelve. Houston, I think, is a shoe in. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's easy to say that, but I remember whenever Houston was that good, and it wasn't like, and it really wasn't that long ago when they were. It's just they went from here, and then Case Keenum left, and has had a shit NFL career. Yeah, but the Houston ever since they lost Case Keenum has just just crashed, and I I'm hoping that they give them a chance to do it. But it's okay. So who would be the wild card? team if it's not smu or houston who would be the wild card team that you would put in the big 12 are we talking about poaching from another power five or i don't okay you'd love to see are you going texas a&m no no nah dude i would love to see texas a&m back in the big 12 they're not going to leave the sec but i'd love to see texas a&m back in that big 12 back in the big 12 conference okay so let's say let's say yes just real quick yes Poaching from another top five. Okay, so I'll give uh, a like a, a one that makes sense, but it's never going to happen as far as geographically it makes sense. LSU. Oh, no way, dude. No fucking way. Okay, let's let, more realistic. Yeah, <laughs> that, see, that's what I said. It's yeah, never yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Why happen. LSU? Uh, for, besides the obvious reasons, you want a team like that in the Big 12 because they're, they, they were so big for so long in the SEC. Yes. Yeah. But like, but why would you even think that LSU would consider leaving the SEC? No, that's I. I, don't. I know. I know that. I, don't. I know you don't. But why would you think that they would? Uh, I just said real quick, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into this. Well, I mean, the easy answer is they're tired of playing third fiddle. I mean, yeah, they won the national title last year, but nobody expected them to going into the season. Nobody, and no one's expecting them to do anything this year either. Right, and, and it's because well, they just lost to Mississippi State. Yeah, well. It's because things like that, and uh, you know, every, they're 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 recruiting against Alabama and Georgia and Florida. You know, excuse me, you've got three other teams that historically have been powerhouses, right? Good, good, good programs. If you go to the Big Twelve, you've got two teams that you have to compete against that are big historical programs. So I think that that gives you a, a more level sure. playing field. But they're they're not going to do that. No. Yeah. No. No, no way. No, no way. And I um, I said I said Texas A and M. So that's stealing from another Power Five conference. Mm-hmm. If you were to just take a team, just any team. Yeah, a non Power Five conference team. I I've got mine, and you're going to say no fucking way, and you're going to. But but I've I've got mine. Notre Dame. Whoa. Okay. I I didn't even think about that. That doesn't make sense geographically though. Like they're the they're the one and West Virginia does? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh man, that'd be huge. Right? Yeah, that's a better that's a better pick than mine. <laughs> what was yours? North Texas. Oh yeah. I think I think North Texas has has proven that they can win in Conference USA. Yeah. They just won the the they just won. Like 4 years ago they won the Heart of Texas Bowl mm-hmm. and they were competing for the uh uh they were they were competing for the uh Conference USA Championship last year. Yeah. They lost, 
but and they lost big but they but they still are Bigly. geographically it makes sense i mean the team has a history i mean shit they're they're named after one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play the game of football yeah. and uh so i i just think that if you're and of course i'm biased because i went there right. but it would just it would be great to see that football team get rewarded and get into a big 12 conference and smu that if they did bring in smu there's that rivalry right there because smu and north texas are in the same conference together and that is hate week for the university of north texas mean green is the smu mustangs like but but smu and tcu is the more historical rivalry. oh i know oh i know i'm not trying to say it's like i'm not saying that they have this massive history of course smu and tcu have a bigger rivalry yeah but you throw in Denton, Texas in that, and you bring in the Mean Green, so you've got like the rivalry of old and then the new rivalry between the two. I just think it would make for compelling storylines. It just would not do great for ratings outside of the Big 12. Yeah. That's true. So that's why I don't see it happening. And no, I think that I no. think SMU and Houston are the obvious choices that, that would actually consider coming to the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think SMU and, and, uh, and uh, Houston... If they get like if that was offered to them, they absolutely take it. Oh yeah, of course they would. Like, Why wouldn't they? In a heartbeat. Why wouldn't in they? In a heartbeat. Uh, that reminds me though, like when I was in the Navy, one of my uh, one of my buddies was like, I don't know why the Big Twelve doesn't just bring in SMU and Houston. And at the time, they hadn't brought in TCU. He's like, bring in SMU, TCU, Houston, and have the Big Twelve north and then the big 12 texas so you have six teams in texas six teams outside of texas and then you know you just your texas teams all play each other throughout the course of the season and you play a couple you know whatever uh how the big 12 used to be because they used to have nebraska yeah and missouri and, and, and missouri and yeah arkansas and well that was well, no, arkansas no, it was, was Ar- the southwest, southwest, the southwest conference, conference. Yeah. i wish that they could bring that back like yeah. if they could just change everything, bring in Rice and SMU and uh, Houston was a part of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it would be great if we could just go back to the Southwest Conference because that that right there was a fucking conference, man. It's just, but but, but nowadays now, it would not. Now, no, yeah, nowadays no. that would just be. <laughs> it, it would just be nice to go back to those days that I obviously was not alive for, but, but I've, it, I've just yeah, heard be, so many stories about it. It would just the, be great. To, like that was the SEC the story. Yeah. That well, was I mean, the that, SEC. Well, the SEC was still around. Oh no, I know it was, but I mean, but yeah. the but the Southwest Conference was, was that it, was the were, more they were revered. Right there. Yeah, they were right there. Yeah, with the, so with it would just it, it like it would be great if we could go back to that. It's not going to happen. No, but I, it would just it would yeah. just be it would just end up being Texas and Oklahoma. And yeah, I know. Uh, yes, yeah, I know. And then yeah, and then a bunch of dark horses that would maybe get a win on it, one of those teams and, and ruin their season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, it would just be nice to see. I think that SMU has paid their dues and they've survived so everything. Too. So yeah. I think SMU I think, is a shoe in. And yeah. I think that, I think that Houston is another really easy one. And I, I think that's another no brainer, but I, there, I've, I've also heard that the, the big 12 might dissolve. You hear my cat. He's yeah, I know. I, yeah. The cat, the cat agrees too. like, no, don't no. dissolve the big 12. Uh, but that if that happens, dude, could you that's a, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. No, well, yeah, but I've I've seen that uh, if that happens, the SEC might like ditch teams like Vanderbilt and bring in Texas and in, uh, in Oklahoma, in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, and I I could see all the rest of those teams just kind of going to yeah 
Conference Mount, USA, Mount the Mountain West, West yeah. Texas Tech, like probably. So, I mean, I, you know, and in reality, that would make sense. There's just too many schools that would lose a lot of money if that happens. And you know that there are, there are more teams that would fight to keep that conference together. Than, yeah, well, and and what the, it's the Power Five for a reason. You know, you're not going to call it the Power Four now. Because if you if you yeah. if you make that conference, literally there there's a chance that in the near future, all four teams in the playoff because they're apparently never going to expand it, could be from the SEC. Yeah, I know, and that's just that's just not right. Then no. then why even have conferences? Right? Yeah. What? Just why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not say the SEC is college football? Uh, you guys all y'all are playing lacrosse. Sure. You know. Like, sure duke's sitting there like really yeah. yeah 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 we are which which now that we live in sec country that's how they already feel yes yeah i know and i know wrong. it is they're i know wrong. it is so but uh so it was nice to talk and to dive into college football this week oh, i know yeah. that it wasn't a part of the plan but that was a good little segue into it so yeah this is this is a, a little uh peek into what it's like to actually have a conversation with cameron and myself you're not going to get a word in because we're just going to we're going to both somehow organically go to a totally different topic. And we're just going to run with it for 30 minutes. And, and you know what? That's that's fine. That's what you get here. I know that I said this podcast wasn't going to be that long, but you you said it wasn't going to be two and a half hours. And I'm pretty sure it's about two and three quarters. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so I didn't lie. It's just a little longer. So, yeah, you but you say, know what? That's, you didn't say it was going to be shorter. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, but that's fine. I mean, you're like, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to cover. And even with teams that I know that we were saying that the only thing that's going on right now is the NFL, but I, we completely dismissed college and we, we, we have, this is the first time that we've ever actually dove into that topic. And we had weeks of college football to cover. So yeah, hopefully this will be a more consistent thing. Maybe we can start doing college football after the soccer minute. Like that can just be a way to like we can do the soccer minute and then we can do college football and then move into the rest yeah. uh, because we can't we can't deny that college football, college basketball, all that stuff is is very prevalent in yeah. in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And and that's definitely something that needs to be covered. I mean, I've mentioned it before. Oh, I, yeah, of course. I like college football better. And I don't know. I, I don't know anything of college football outside of Texas Tech. Like that's like, like seriously, that's all I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Like I don't, I will, once college football finally gets their playoff, right. Then I'll be more invested, but see the, the the problem that I always have with college football and it started with the AP poll and voting on a national champion to the BCS where it's like finally going to get number one against number two and they're going to play for it and they still get it wrong. Then they change it to a college football playoff. Like finally we're going to get it right. Oh, there's five power conferences, but four spots. Come on, man. And then every year they always seem to fuck over someone. And it's the same thing with, with March Madness. They have, it's a 68 team tournament, but I guess technically they have four play in rounds. So that would make it a 72 team tournament, but team that's 73 will complain. Right. So I, I know that you're never going to get it a hundred percent right, but you know what? If you're the 73rd team, you should have fucking been better. So if you're the fifth team. Uh, you have a right to bitch. Yes, of course. And so I think as soon as college football and see, I'm going to fix college football right now. I'm going to fix it. Okay. What you do is, is you shorten the season. You only play your conference games. No more non-conference games. You only play your conference games. And then it's an eight team double elimination tournament. And I'm sick and tired of the team that wins game a 
is the Sugar Bowl champion, and then they get to go, and then they get to be the national championship on top of the Chick-fil-A Bowl or whatever it is, the Cotton Bowl that they play. So they win two bowl games and the national championship. What I think happens is you expand it to eight teams. If you lose game A, then you go and play the team that lost game B in the Cotton Bowl. And then if you advance and you lose in the semifinals, then you get to play for a more prestigious bowl. But if you win, you don't win a bowl game. You just get to advance. The only bowl game that you win is the national championship if you keep winning. But that it allows teams that lose an, another opportunity at it, and you get to go play to for not, a bowl game. To not end the season on a sour note. Sure. Yeah. That's like that's what, that's what I'd love to see. They're yeah. not going to do that because no. non-conference games are way too much. Re- they're way too much money for for uh, campuses. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I also think that if you play a Division two or a Division three school on a on your non-conference record, you are discontinued from the national championship. You should not be allowed to go and play some fucking throwaway game against some D3 team, Alabama, and get this undefeated season and then be like, they're the greatest team ever. And they are. If, if you want to talk about SEC football, Alabama, Alabama is the only constant team. And I get that. And I get that Alabama playing at Holy Cross or wherever they go. Like, that's a lot of money for that team to go and get monkey stomped by Alabama. Yeah. But it's not right. It is not right. It's like Tom Brady playing in the SC, uh, the SEC. It's like Tom Brady playing in the NFC East against all these shitty opponents in his division, not really being tested, and then going into the playoffs with a fresh team as opposed to someone that was probably playing in the NFC West. I know in the playoffs you'd meet in the Super Bowl, but still, you're playing a team that is in a much tougher conference, had to fight all the way through the playoffs, and then you meet a team in the Super Bowl that hasn't been tested as much as the other. So it's the same thing. So... I would like to see an A-team, two-game elimination tournament. No more Division Three, Division Two games. You only play your conference. If you win your conference, you're in. Everything else is up in the air. And just because you win your conference doesn't mean you're automatically number one through five. Yeah. You just make it into the tournament. Everything else will depend on strength of schedule and your record. Yeah, that that makes the most sense to me. But if you're, I mean, if you're throwing strength of schedule in there, then obviously you're going to have... Uh, I mean, I got, I, if you're okay. So if you're limiting the playoff specifically to only power five conference, I think you can throw out strength of schedule and limit it to only your record. And you have five teams that win their conferences and then three wild cards. If you're expanding it to an 18 playoff, right? Yes. And no, no first round buys either. Yeah, that would, no, that would yeah, be, no, yeah, yeah, right, right. No, no first round right, buys because no, so. no that's 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 horseshit. So you'd go just purely off the record, then I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. Strength of schedule at that point, you go okay. Well, an undefeated Pac-12 team. Yeah, okay. So yeah, no strength of schedule. Then you know. we'll just go off record, and then it's it's ordered one through eight. Yeah. So I mean, I like that. I would love to see that. Never gonna, never gonna happen. No. Way too much football, and it would, it would cost universities way too much to not have non-conference games. But that, I, I just, and of course, I'm not waiting for that. And as soon as I get that, then I'll watch college football. But I just think you have to make it an 18 playoff. See, what I, what I like, is kind of the, the positive spin of what you don't like. What I like about college football is 
every game matters. Every game matters. You know why I had a terrible day Saturday for about three hours until Oklahoma lost? Because Texas lost. You know, I was looking at it. I was going, this might be Texas's chance. It might be their season. Might be the, it's definitely their last chance with Sam Ellinger. You know, it, and I think that that guy deserves a shot, right? So I, I looked at it. They lost. Holy shit, that's basically the season. There's pretty much no chance of a big... Uh, unless Oklahoma State goes undefeated, there's basically no chance of a Big 12 team in the playoff. Period. Because of everybody else stumbling out of the gate. So... And see, I love it's it's it it gives you more like if I miss a Texas game, I'm upset. If I miss a Cowboys game, I'll catch the highlights. It's fine. Oh, we lost. Eh. You know, like we can see you can you can make you can make an argument that that's a good thing. We could lose. I know. I, I I'm just saying it makes it less exciting. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And I I I love the excitement and the drama of college football. And and another thing is you get maybe four or five years with these players. No Tom Brady playing for 20 years. No Patriots dynasty having the same players, basically, you know, and just moving out parts, but your major contributors are the same. None of that. Not for very long, at least. You know, Alabama. That's why, to me, Alabama is so much more impressive than the Patriots. And I'm not just saying that because my wife is from Alabama and is a born and raised Alabama fan. And as she put it, she watched them when they sucked mud. But like, it's because like you look at it, look at the teams that win national championships. I mean, they they've done it over the past decade with completely different teams. And it's because of the culture that they've built. And that to me, that's more impressive than an NFL team being a dynasty. No, I, I agree. I'm not. My problem is not with college football because I love the drama that plays out every single game where you're watching it going, oh, my God, Penn State just beat uh, Ohio State, who was undefeated and the last undefeated team in the Big Ten. What's going to happen? Obviously, you got to pick. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Yeah. But obviously, you got to pick Penn State to get ahead of Ohio State. But then, whenever it comes down to the selection committee, every single time they pick a team, it's like three SEC teams and Ohio State. And you're going, oh, like the buildup was to that. And this is where they decided to leave us. Like that just makes no sense. And it that's the problem. And then it's like, I don't even want to watch the national championship playoff because all of these teams, except for Alabama is probably worthy of being here. The only reason why LSU is here and Auburn is here is because they, they have an sec conference behind their name. And it's just the big 12 constantly gets screwed. The pac 12 always gets screwed. And it's just, it's just such a shame. And you can't have, you can't have conferences and then have 
and then completely dismiss those conference. If you have four spots, you need to have four different teams from four different conferences. You just have to, and yeah. it's never like that. There's always at least two SEC teams in there, and that's the thing that always just drives me nuts. That's the thing I can't stand about college football is because the drama, and it builds and builds and builds, and then whenever it gets to it and you're right there, it's like they deflate the balloon. It's like you're blowing up a balloon, yeah. and then you let it go, and it's just going... Just yeah. flying I mean, around the room. I mean, uh, here's here's the only stat you need for your argument. Over the past, uh, let's go 15, no. I think it's uh, about the past 20 years, I, there's been eight different champions. Miami, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, Texas, Auburn. LSU. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's because the SEC... And I mean, there was one year where the BCS had LSU and Alabama playing each other in the national championship, and you're... What? Yeah, like, how... You, what? Yeah, yeah, you take out... And they'd already played. Yeah, and they already played each but other you take, that you year. Ta- you take out the teams that have only won once. You've got Alabama, Florida, LSU, Florida, Ohio State. In the past 20 years and that's that's that if you want to go full circle with this fucking podcast here it's the same reason why people aren't watching the nba yeah because it's the same teams over and over again and then it's like well if you don't like it then come out and beat us give us a chance if y'all are constantly playing each other but i but i would argue i would argue that it's it's different than the nba oh it absolutely it's is the same players over and over again in the nba but it's not yeah it's just the, but, the constant, the basically the only constant in Alabama is Nick Saban. Since they since they beat Texas in 2010 for the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> and the, Nick Saban is pretty much the only one left from that team. You know, yeah. I think I think. And you uh, are right. That's their what athletic makes, director, maybe. I think. I don't know, but but. And see, that's that. You are right. That is what makes college sports more impressive. And that's the thing that I miss about the NCAA. Whenever it comes to basketball, is the one and dones are killing the sport. It was a lot of fun to sit there and watch Christian Leitner come up through Duke and uh, Jerry Stackhouse to come up through North Carolina and Patrick Ewing to come up through Georgetown. Like it's, it was fun to watch them, but now you get Kevin Durant, you get Andrew Wiggins, you get Joel Embiid, you get all of Anthony Davis, you get all of these players that go to college one and done. And it was so funny whenever Andrew Wiggins, we're not turning this into college basketball, but I'm just making a point here. Uh Andrew Wiggins, after he lost in the NCAA tournament, his freshman year, he was sitting there talking about like, I wish it didn't have to end. And I enjoyed my time in Kansas. And one reporter interrupted him and went it doesn't have to be done and he just <laughs> went i mean i've got to kind of explain he gives like the thing and all the reporters start <laughs> laughing because you know you know and like good for him to be quick on his feet but i'm just telling you like you were talking about college football and you're watching these players like sam ellinger and all that like they're coming up in the system and it's fun to watch them and if they don't win they'll be back next year and it's great and so i like i do love that aspect of college football because it's in the NFL, if you lose, it's like, well, we've got next year, and there's no rush. He's only 24 years mm-hmm. old or whatever. Mm-hmm. In college football, it's like, it's like, like oh, fuck. Like, he's 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 20 years old. We're running out of time yeah. here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I, I guess my point is. College football is always win now. 
Yes. You're, you're like there's more of a desperation. A rebuild, a rebuild in college football, if it takes more than four years, you're out. You're done. Right. Right. Because you've you're got time done. to recruit recruit that class, and yeah. you just did a shit job at it. You get if you don't have a winning season with recruits that came up, were recruited by you, and spent all four years being coached by you, and they graduate, and you don't win with those guys, you're out. Yeah, and I and I do love that about college football. I really do. You just you've got to change not the selection process, but you've got to change the playoff format. Yeah, I think and you've so. got to you've got to pay these athletes, man. I know that that's another political yeah. thing, and we're not we're not going to derail. But that's just another thing. The How's NC that political, the I, NC, the NC. It just they're it, working. It's it's just like the coronavirus. It's they're been working. It's you're been, making money off of their it's been, name and their work. It's been made political, and I understand, and I'm not trying to make this political because we started political, and now we're going to be kind of ending politically, but it's just the NCAA is just such a crooked organization, just for everything that you said, and it's just, it's hard for me to sit there, and I know that they don't care if I don't watch because tens of millions of other people are going to be watching, so it's not like I'm boycotting, and it's just, no one, no one cares. No one cares if you boycott. It's just, it's just if you get like a mass group of people to boycott, and you're not going to get a big enough people to boycott the NCAA, and it's, it's, it's going to be a slow process. But, and I'm not waiting for them to pay the players for me to watch. And I'm, I still watch, and I still enjoy the drama that unfolds. It's just every year, it's just always like, really, that's where, that's, that's, that's the choice you want to go with, Big Chief. You sure you don't want to take that back? And they can't, and it's just, it's all, every year there's always something ridiculous that comes with the playoff format. And I know it would be like that with an 18 playoff, but at the same time, you look at it and go, you, you want to fucking be in here? Win your conference. Yeah. Win your conference. Yeah. Or shut up. Yeah. Actually, I think, I think to, to go back and modify the, the way you said you'd fix it, instead of doing the power five and then three wild cards, I think you do power five, the, the, best group uh, the group of five team with the best record and then two wild card teams i think that's what you do okay i see what you're saying would you would you want to leave any room for any kind of division two school no no yeah see i don't think so either no. or, or or something that are like a like a non-power five like that's, like, that's like, I, like yeah like the university group, of central florida that's what i'm saying group yeah. of five yeah okay because you've got the power five yep and then you've got group of five okay those, and those make up the fbs yes Right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So, okay. So okay. Okay. The winners of the Power Five, and the the Group of Five conference team with the best re- overall record, and uh, then the two, uh, two teams with the best record who didn't win their conference out of the Power Five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You've got to have someone in there that's going to be an underdog, and so I w- I would love to see that. Once again, never going to happen. No. Just just expand it to eight teams, and then I'll reconsider again reconsider what you're still watching i uh, not 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 like i used to yeah not like i used to i used to like really be into it but every year i'm always disappointed and i'm a texas tech fan so it's not like i'm sitting there like how come texas tech isn't involved like that's not what i'm saying like i can look at it truly unbiased and and go "Mm -mm. Mm -mm. that's not right that's not right and it seems like every year it's never right yeah well i mean of course every year they're screwing it up they keep putting oklahoma in there (laughs) Who else are they going to fucking put in there from the Big 12? <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, if Oklahoma is the last one standing from the Big 12, you probably should just move on Yikes. and pick somebody else. It is 11.46 and Oklahoma still sucks. <laughs> so. so, 
Um, I think I think that uh, I think that's it for this week. One of these, I, you know what? I'm just I'm not even gonna like set expectations anymore that this is gonna be a short podcast. We're covering a lot of material, whether it's in season or not. So we appreciate those of you guys who have who stick it out with us and like and listen to every episode. I guess the best thing that we can do for you, we love you, Jr. We, I, I guess the best thing that we could do for you is to maybe like break it up into sections. I don't in the show notes or whatever. But no one, like like you said, I thought about I thought about if we record and then have, uh, so we record on Mondays. If we re- if we released the Mav section or whatever on Tuesday, then the next section on Wednesday, then the soccer minute sometime we, we can I mean? we can we can discuss that we can discuss that off mic but if anyone has any feedback yeah. once again please let us know like how you would yes. rather if, if you're fine with long episodes please email us and let us know if you're not if you're not please email us and let yeah. us know i know that it's it's super hard for people to sit down in such a busy week and listen to a two and a half three hour long podcast but it's just if we're going to do this all at once it has to be this long yeah. Just because there's so much to cover and it's it's uh it's it's pretty much inevitable that episodes are going to be this long. Do you like it this way? Do you would you rather us break it up and and do each each section on each different day? That's a, like seriously, we are here to listen to you guys and y'all please let us know. Because because we are at y'all's mercy. We're just doing this for fun and we're we're just trying to make this as entertaining as we possibly can. Yeah. I completely agree. Once again, that email address is drunkenquestions at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account. It's at drunkenfan and then the number one, drunkenfan1. And uh, you can also send us messages there, send us tweets, and we'll, if, if we like, not if we like, but if it's, if, if, if it's something that really intrigues us, we will read it out loud. We just have not gotten anything in response nope. yet. So, but if, if it's something that, that you want to ask us and we can answer, we'll, we'll do it. And it, you can do it either there or via email. So I yeah, think, and, and for those of you who can't spell drunken is D R U N K E N F A N. And then the number one. Yes. So I think I'm done. Are you spent? I'm spent. Do you want to flare it out? Woo!